Johnson makes a cut. Forget about that. Johnson, first down, slides down, and the Washington Huskies are going to win the final Pac-12 championship and punch a ticket to the college football playoff. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Yeah, seven catches, 157. That was supposed to be a reverse pitch, and it blows up, and Salter makes a positive play and breaks loose, and he scores 35 yards. Wow. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Third and nine. Four-man rush against Plummer to the end zone. This time, and it's intercepted by Bethune. He made a great play earlier and comes up with the pick in the end zone. The Florida State defense does it again. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. Protecting Texans since 1952. 3-3-5 defense. Here's some trickery. It's a flea flicker. And it works to perfection. Jatavion Sanders wide open for the touchdown. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Ponies 5 of 8 on third down. Here comes the heat. Jennings off the back foot. Slings it into the end zone. And caught for the touchdown. Keyshawn Smith. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Hello again, a wide snap. He's got a wheel wrap to Jam Miller. Touchdown, Alabama. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go on this Wednesday afternoon. This is 365 Sports, and we're going to focus a little bit in Washington with Softy Mahler in about 40 minutes. Chip Brown an hour from now on UT. Uh, we'll also hear from John Kurtz. He covers K-State uh, on what is a tough day in Manhattan. It kind of started circulating yesterday about Colin Klein and Texas A&M. Matt Musil, by the way, from KHOU-TV in Houston, who I've known, I haven't talked to him in years, but I've known uh, him forever back in the day when he was in early television. He's the one that kind of floated that out there last night. I don't know how many people believed it, but it's true. And then also we'll have Paul's top five and former Baylor linebacker safety hybrid Bryson Jackson will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. A lot going on. Craig Smoke is back, playing with a little pain. He's not 100%, but he's playing with pain. And he's here. Craig, great to have you back. Yeah, uh, not feeling great, so let's see how this goes here. Um, but, yeah, good to have a lot of stuff to talk about here and a uh, big loss for Kansas State, obviously. Uh, I want to switch places with you, just in case. No, no okay. too late. Oh, Could have said right. just don't show up, but uh, <laughs> here I am. All right, so Paul Catalina, uh, A&M, this one, I don't think it came out of nowhere. Colin Klein's well-respected. Notre Dame had had interest. Penn State, of course, has had interest. The Aggies get the uh, former uh, stud. 
quarterback from Kansas State, almost a national championship quarterback in Colin Klein, spreading his wings with all due respect to Manhattan, getting out of that kind of a bubble, which they He's beloved there, and he's now going to be a part of Mike Elko's staff. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a, a bummer because he is, you know, one of their favorite sons uh, there at Kansas State, Con Klein, and he's he's done a great job as the offensive coordinator. But look, I'm I, you know, I'm sure AM can match any offer that Kansas State makes if they really want him, and they had that, you know, um, a really large uh, budget for the staff, as you saw in the contract. So uh, this is a good, this is a good hire. I think it matches up with the personnel that AM has really well. Uh, I think Colin Klein system will will morph into to maybe something a little bit different than Kansas State runs. But their offense, uh, you know, is you know they, they get kind of the reputation of this power running like old school team. But if you watch what they've done the last couple of years with Will Howard, they they do a lot of multiple things. They're they're fun to watch. I think that it'll be a fun offense in in College Station, and uh, it's a great move for Mike Elko and the Aggies to get one of the best up and coming young coaches uh, in the country on staff. Yeah, it's a really good hire for A and M. There's others that were obviously interested in him, like Notre Dame uh, previously, LSU. Uh, Notre Dame last offseason, LSU here uh, during this cycle, and he, you know, uh, still there at Kansas State after the pursuit last year and uh, was still hanging around, and then here comes A&M, and, you know, they have a lot to offer right now with the Elko move, with just the the uh, massive amount of money involved and the facilities and the SEC and all those types of things. And you know what? As a young coach, you know, you're not really going to just sit there in the same place, even if it is your home, and uh, just – be there for the rest of your life. Coaches move around. Coaches go get experience elsewhere. Coaches go get experience under other coaches. So he's done a great job for Chris Kleiman. Obviously, two years ago was a, a very good season. You were excited to see what he could do with Avery Johnson as, like, the guy now in Manhattan. But uh, we're not going to see that, unfortunately. So uh, we'll see what he can do with Connor Wegman and uh, the other quarterbacks there in College Station. I think it's an excellent hire for Mike Elko. I think it's a nice changeup on the resume for Colin Klein. And he can always be, you know, the head coach there one day, depending on how, you know, timing works out. Or he can always return to Manhattan in some other capacity. Uh, he's still always going to be a favorite son. But a good move for his career probably. And uh, just more to uh, look forward to if you're A&M in this big shakeup moving on from Jimbo Fisher. I think you're very excited about this hire and what that could do for your offense. So, yeah, um, I think that's a, it's a big one for the Aggies and a tough loss for Kansas State, which is evident if you followed any of their media people on mm -hmm. – uh, social media, it's like a funeral uh, that he's leaving uh, based on what I've seen. So tough loss for them, but just part of the, the gig. Uh, here are some stats about the Kansas State offense. Top 25 in total offense. This is this past year. Top 25 red zone offense, except they didn't score against Texas at overtime at about the five. 37 points per game. 434 yards per game. 11th in points per drive. 11th in overall scoring, and also ranked 13 out of 14 teams in the Big 12 and overall uh, ranked 13th out of 14 teams in overall composite talent. So they've been doing that, and that's one of the great stories about Kansas State or sometimes a TCU or Baylor or even Iowa State or whoever. They don't get the alphas. They don't get a lot of them if they get one or two. And they've been doing it with that kind of a talent based on rankings, which we know in recruiting doesn't always mean anything, but it sure can mean something with the number of weapons you'll have to play with when he gets to college station. Yeah, but good coaches um, can find things, okay, that you can't coach. 
For example, Deuce Vaughn, who played in that system for Colin Klein, yeah, he's five foot six, but he's also one of the fastest human beings you're ever going to see, right? Well, you can't coach that. That's something that, you know, happens because God gave you that talent. So if you can get that kind of talent and then coach it in a direction that helps you, then that means you're developing people. So when you get the kind of things, and Kansas State has things, like they've got guys with good hands, they've got guys who are strong, they've got guys who are fast, and they coach them up and they develop them. You know, I don't know how many people are knocking down Cooper Beebe's door, but he's an NFL offensive lineman. You know, like they they just do a good job of coaching up the talent that they have and that they can get. And so if you take that ability to coach people up, which if you've read anything or heard anything about Texas A&M is that Jimbo wasn't really coaching these guys up. I mean, he was kind of coaching five stars down to three stars. Well, if you're getting four and five star guys and you're coaching them up, then you should win. Yeah, no. So there we are with Colin Klein, and uh, so it. It. I know that. Uh, I know that from in the past when I've asked high school coaches in Texas about him when he was recruiting for K State, he then became the offensive coordinator. A lot of respect for what he does. So there we and a little grit maybe. That doesn't mean they're not going to throw it around as you mentioned. Uh, Craig mentioned as what what they did with Will Howard or others. Uh, a lot of fans at K State have contacted me. In fact, even on the bracket cat, he goes now. Well, I hope we're. I hope Avery Johnson's locked in because, you know, you wonder about when your offensive coordinator leaves. That's just somebody who's a K-State fan. But, Craig, you mentioned it has been kind of in a way like a funeral. Here's a comment from Bracket Cat. Um, it's been a tough day uh, uh, indeed. Now we're all chewing our nails to see if we can keep Avery. Tang now fighting a battle with our president at K-State over Tomlin not playing. He's the one that's suspended at this time. It's a mess up here. They had a great win, by the way, K-State last night. You know, last second shot, three seconds to go to beat Villanova and Baylor beating Seton Hall just around the corner. Yeah, I don't know what uh, Avery Johnson's intentions are as far as, uh, you know, what he feels about Kansas State without Colin Klein versus how he feels about it with Colin Klein. I would imagine he's got some other pretty deep relationships there with coaches and Chris Kleiman and other players, but that is this world, right, that you – are always fearful of a player having the opportunity to jump ship seemingly at any moment. It's not like that, but that's what it does feel like. And it is like that really this time of year. So, yeah, I can understand the nervousness. Again, I don't know and won't pretend to know well enough of what that you know feeling is like on Avery Johnson's part. But I'd imagine that Chris Kleiman is very quickly uh, you know, searching out this hire or trying to make this hire very quickly to shore up that spot and ensure that everybody's going to be intact when they start to move forward here in preparation for spring ball in the offseason. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big thing that you've got to wonder about right now. I haven't seen uh, much to indicate that he's wobbly or that that's imminent or anything along those lines, but when a guy does leave, you do wonder. So, yeah, they need to shore that up and make sure that that gets out there and, hey, I'm a cat and, you know, rally rally the troops, so to speak, because they could use a little dose of good news because, man, it, it certainly did feel – at first I had a double take of, like, did somebody die? Like, what is yeah. everybody so upset about? And then, it's, oh, it was Colin well, Klein. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying, like, it was pretty – Pretty, uh, you know, pretty down reaction. So that's how much they love the guy. It's how much success that he had brought as well. And I'm sure they'll cross paths again. But that just part of the college coaching career is you move on and you go get experience elsewhere. And I think he's got a great opportunity going to College Station to make a lot of money, um, have some big time talents to coach down there, and to be a part of what Mike Elko's building. We will get to some transfer portal news, but there was news today about the Cotton Bowl, not the bowl game. 
the actual Cotton Bowl in downtown Dallas, extending the Texas and OU rivalry until the late 2030s. Uh, and by the way, also the Cotton Bowl is going to undergo some more renovations. Good for them. It will stay Texas OU, now an SEC game through 2036. And on top of that, $140 million in renovations is uh, won't go like it, it's a, that's a lot of money. The Cotton Bowl itself is still a, it's a relic. It's beautiful. They've tweaked it a few times. It could always make it better, but it is uh, an incredible scene uh, for any game and nothing better than Texas OU at the Cotton Bowl as far as around the state of Texas. Yeah, it could use a new, a new coat of paint, you know, some some maybe modern amenities there, so probably some some better seating. Spark plugs? Yeah, I mean, they, they don't um, – it, it's still great. I mean, it, like, it's a cool place. And, you know, uh, the $140 million is, you know, about like – like an eighth of what a stadium costs altogether. So, well, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. it says in the article what they're going to do. They're going to re, you know, enhance the bathrooms. Yeah. They're going to, you know, redo the concourses. They're going to do things that are doable. Um, they can't obviously tear it down and build a cathedral, but they have a good skeleton already, and they just need to modernize some things. I mean, like having some more areas in the concourses, which is part of what the plan is to do there. So, uh, sure beats building a new place. Sure beats moving it to Arlington and. Uh, you know, taking away the tradition of playing at the Cotton Bowl. So they had some options. But uh, in the end, I like that they're going to stay with that, you know, building and with that history that they have there. And I, you know, don't think it's the greatest area in the world as a lot of people go to that game, you know, that time of year. It's like, oh, man, watch out. But, you know, neither's the Orange Bowl when that was intact or, you know, the uh, various other areas. And that's been, I guess, one reason brought up of, you know, why to move it, or it's not as modern as other places. There's a lot of complaints about the Cotton Bowl over the years, uh, but I think with the, this influx of money uh, to modernize it a bit and to make it more comfortable for people with all that history uh, already built in, that's the right place to have this game forever and ever um, until it just can't, you know, function anymore. So uh, I, I like that they're sprucing it up. I just, you know, wish it would have happened years ago and not, you know, the moment they leave for the SEC, but that'll make for a great arena and that'll make for, uh, you know, a great great setting for that game there's our friend Dave Wilson used to work alongside him in East Texas many years ago one of the things about what the new stadiums have brought not just the fact there's more retractable roofs or whatever and the amenities are incredible uh, it's the space on the concourse and Craig you brought that up there's more walking area underneath one of the great things about the ballpark in Arlington that I love not just because Arlington Stadium was just a place that they ended up playing it was amazing you could have a rain delay and you could, you, you're fine because there there's room for thousands and thousands of people. You know, just oh. kind of brighten it up, a new coat of paint, as you mentioned, and get more space and amenities outside of what's outside as far as the, the stands and also the football field. So if, you're, uh, if you cover the game, uh, and, and this is this is how it <laughs> – the, the time I did, I had to walk through the Oklahoma section and they lost. Uh, but you – to get to the press box, it's not like some of the new places. It's kind of a straight shot. You take an elevator down. You're yeah. kind of like there. You don't you don't see other people. You just go right down. But older stadiums, you gotta usually have to walk through the crowd a little bit. Like um, at DKR, you have to literally walk through the stands, and they walk you through the field, and you go down that to way the end zone. Yeah. into the end zone. Um, in the Cotton Bowl, they take you down to like the regular concourse. And then at, at the end of the game, you've got to walk through the fans that are going out and there was no space. And if you're walking through the losing fans, they're pissed off. They're, they have no interest yeah. in, in letting you move. Like I, I went to the game, Oklahoma, uh, it was Sam Bradford. It was when he got hurt. Um, Oklahoma lost to, to Texas and, 
uh, walking to the Oklahoma fans, you're like, excuse me. And they're like, yeah, go F yourself. No, no. <laughs> yeah. It's a great setting. And, and I've been uh, at that game. It's been a while, though. I haven't covered it in a long, long time. But there's a story about the Cotton Bowl extending that location through 2036 and the Cotton Bowl on top of that. The All-State Red River rivalry on top of that. Now, a couple of other coaching notes. Arizona State about to be a part of the Big 12. They've got two guys that have been, uh, they've been around. When it comes to coaching, assistant coaches, et cetera, and have been pretty damn good when it comes to recruiting. Uh, both Rashad Samples, his dad is the head coach at Duncanville, and also Brian Carrington. Uh, they both had their contract extended. I would think that there was probably interest in some way with Dave Aranda and company to look at either one of them because of what they bring to the table. Uh, I think Samples not quite as look at me, look at me as Carrington can be at times. But that's a big move for Dillingham to retain a couple of young coaches that help feed that pipeline into Texas for for the Sun Devils and also Tempe. Yeah, there might have been um, there, there. There were some rumors that uh, Samples might be uh, on the way out, uh, but that's not true. He got himself a nice extension there and uh, a very very good recruiter uh, who will now you know help uh, Arizona State as they transition to the pack or the to, out of the Pac-12 into the Big Twelve. Yeah, congrats to their agents on getting them that boost by floating their names out there. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's probably somewhat true. Uh, that happens quite often during this time period. But also, I wouldn't doubt that they've got interest uh, with their Texas ties, especially. It wasn't a surprise to see Samples mentioned as a possible target for Baylor. I don't know if that was ever realistic or not. Um, but, yeah, those guys have a lot of history uh, in recruiting and recruiting here in Texas with a ASU joining the Big 12. You wonder uh, how much they can get some inroads you know, here for some of those types of prospects. Uh, Arizona State's had a dabbling of Texas guys over the years, but not much. Their focus is mostly West, which I would imagine it'll it'll stay that way for the most part. But, yeah, maybe that gets you a few more Texas guys uh, into the mix. Brian Carrington rubbed me the wrong way. I'll just say when he was at Texas, I mean, there was a little bit of maybe just youthful arrogance that was a part of his tenure there when Tom Herman was there. Um, that was just – uh, the, the whole shh thing, I remember rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. Mm. They were constantly battling head-to-head -head for various guys uh, with Baylor back then. So we saw a lot of the, the shush emojis and all that. And, you know, then that ended, and he's been at a few different places now. I think he's, what, TCU, um, uh, Arizona State now, obviously, and I want to say maybe somewhere else as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good recruiting duo with a lot of history here, and that's a good get uh, to maintain what you've already got if you're Arizona State. All right. Uh, by the way, BU, Super Chat, five bucks for Craig making it happen. Thank you. That's very nice of you, BU. And a lot of people, Craig, are saying that they appreciate you being in the studio. Oh. Uh, and, I was like, what did I do? But, uh, yeah, uh, no. yeah, thank you very no, much. I appreciate yeah, it. Playing yeah. with pain. Uh, all right, there's a couple of more. Let's go to the transfer portal news. Brendan Sorsby is uh, headed from what was, what, Indiana. He was a starter there for a couple of, what, six games. He's headed to play for Cincinnati. Kentucky gets Brock Vandegrift, five-star recruit, was at Georgia. He's blocked out. He's now headed to Kentucky, and we already knew this, but now completely official on Tyler Shuck, former Oregon and also Texas Tech quarterback. He is going to play at Louisville. I'm not sure how the Indiana transfer is going to work out uh, at, at Better than Michael Penix? At Cincinnati, but uh, 
but yeah, I mean, they, that's what they're hoping. Um, but I do think uh, the Brock Vandegrift and Liam Cohn's offense is going to be really interesting to see. Uh, he's a young, I mean, you haven't seen him. He was very highly touted coming out of high school. Uh, Carson Beck won the job and just kept getting better and better uh, each week there at Georgia. And Tyler Shuck to Louisville, uh, it's kind of uh, maybe maybe a more athletic Jack Plummer. Um, and if he can stay healthy, that'd be great uh, for the Cardinals because uh, we've seen, you know, one of the best play cl- callers in the country is is Jeff Brom. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I got to tell you, one thing I did, like, I don't know if you guys noticed this during the game the other night, and I've seen it a couple of times, but Jeff Brom calls his, like, yeah, like this. Yeah, like it's a lot of time. Like he's got well, one paper; I mean, it's real small. I think Connor Stallions was in the stadium, so he was trying. <laughs> yeah, to, but trying he had to be the he had that. the paper. Like it's he didn't have like the big play sheet. He just had like it was printed out. It wasn't even laminated. He just had it printed out, holding it old school. Respect to Jeff Brom for not not spending all that money at Kinkos. Yeah, <laughs> getting laminated. Like yeah. Andy Reid's got one the size of a suitcase, yeah. you know, on his belt. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brock Vandergriff, at one point in time, he was an Oklahoma commit and then uh, obviously ended up at Georgia. Haven't seen him play much at all, so excited to see him, you know, finally play, uh, really. And he's going where? You said Kentucky? So he's staying in the SEC, and I guess he's been really – Oklahoma would have eventually ended up there as well. But a highly touted guy coming out of uh, high school in California and a lot of potential, but, you know, eventually got to settle in somewhere and show it. And so – it looks like uh, Lexington will be that place and against uh, some of the best you know, teams in the country. So that'll be fun to see, and that's a little uh, boost for them. Uh, as far as Tyler Shuck, I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but at some point, like, we got to get rid of this logjam of, like, old people playing yeah. college football, <laughs> yeah. man. I mean, and, and it's not just Tyler Shuck. Uh, there's, there's others that are great examples of this. Well, we're uh, talking to Bryson Jackson today at five. He was, like, in his sixth or seventh he's year. He's in his seventh year. Yeah. yeah. He was a seventh-year player. And so that's, that's cool in some cases. And it's great, uh, you know, opportunity-wise for a lot of players. And if you've had a lot of injuries and things like that, then it's – more understandable, but I don't know. I'll, I'll be the bad guy out on the limb, and I, I don't think I'm alone, though. But I just when you're talking about seventh-year guys at this point, it's like, yeah. come on. Come on now. Let's, let's move along, and let's clear the way for the 19- and 20-year-old quarterbacks that, that want some time. But, you know, I'm sure Tyler Shuck got a great deal, and I don't want to pin it like it's all him, and he's the only guy that's like that by any means. Uh, he's had to deal with a lot of hardships with injuries, so – Glad that he's going to get an opportunity to continue playing. Um, but I do think that we were sort of hoping for the COVID era to kind of clear out, and it's like it's still lingering. It's still like, mm-hmm. when is it finally going to undo the logjam of players, um, you know, on these rosters? But maybe that's next year. We'll see. Uh, for uh, Louisville, or for uh, Louisville, right? Uh, for, Lu- for Tyler Shuck? Yeah. Yes. yeah for, Ty- for Louisville, um, that's, that's a really good get. Uh, you know, we'll see if he can stay healthy. That's the big question mark. When he's healthy, he's more than capable, uh, but that's been the, the big bugaboo for him. So I think Louisville's got a great thing going on. You saw that this past season, valiant effort in the uh, ACC championship game, and, uh, you know, a nice little addition there. So uh, interesting, and we'll see how that pans out for both parties. There's all sorts of players in the portal, and, and, and some that maybe they're supposed to be, but not yet. But obviously a lot of them are starting to turn around. It opened up on the fourth. It's already the, the sixth, the third day in it. There will be hundreds more. Raheem Sanders, pretty darn good player from Arkansas. Uh, 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, had 28 catches for uh, a couple of touchdowns, and that's for the bad Arkansas team. He now 
is in the transfer portal. And maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe there's one or two in that same level as far but as running backs that are available. Banged up most of the year this year. He's visiting South Carolina today, actually. Um, I actually think this would be a huge get for LSU. I, I think yep. their, their running back position is not classic LSU. They've got guys that got it, got it done, but their best running game was Jaden Daniels, and that and that's that's going away. So uh, maybe doing it more traditionally uh, with with a guy like Rocket Sanders to me makes a lot of sense. I think he's a fit uh, in Mike Denbrook's offense. There, he's a really really good player, um, but again, he was banged up all year this year. That certainly affected Arkansas's ability to win. Uh, he played through some injuries, but he also missed a lot of time. So we'll see where he winds up. But he's he was a fun player to watch in 2022. Yeah, he was good a couple years back, as you mentioned, and not, not so much to write home about this past year uh, because of injuries primarily. Obviously, uh, Arkansas didn't have a very good year either, so not surprising to see some guys looking around and moving on or just seeing what greener pastures could look like. And I'd imagine that there's a lot of people out there, suitors, that uh, feel like uh, Rocket Sanders could be a great addition for them. So, um, yeah, interesting name to jump into the portal. Uh, not coming off the hottest year, but people have seen what he can do and hope to uh, squeeze some more of that out of him with the right situation. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting name to watch here moving forward. All right, so we've done the portal. There's a lot of others you can go and uh, – Kind of Max Olson, uh, uh, Zenitz, we've had him on. Uh, he also takes care of it, among uh, others. In fact, yesterday, Pete Nakos joined us. And then uh, yesterday, we mentioned the – Craig wasn't here, but the uh, subdivision discussion and the, the idea floated out by uh, Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, and it Paul stepped in it when he said that it seemed like across the board everybody kind of happy with it, at least the idea. But – SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey wants to be the Grinch. Yeah, he he said, why wasn't our board brought in uh, with this conversation sooner? Um, I mean, it seems like it's going to work out for his schools in that schools will be able to play payers, pay players whatever they want, um, but maybe there's some parts of it that he doesn't like. Uh, I don't know. Why? Um, because it wasn't his idea? I guess. I don't uh, you know. You know, Greg Sankey is a hell of a commissioner. got great power. What he did throughout the day Saturday, being a part of uh, being on the air, lobbying for his teams, it worked. Uh, it might have worked anyway. But, you know, it, there are other people, and I know he doesn't think this way at times, but there are other people that also can make decisions. But I do wonder – if you're going to do this, why would you not have contacted at least the group of five autonomy five uh, conference well, presidents? He, he built it out of what the working group, you know, did. I mean, so it's not like the the SEC board wasn't part of it. Like SEC wasn't part. There's people. Sounds presidents. like those who were on the board or whatever didn't tell him. Why would they not have told their own commissioner? If they were yeah, a, that that uh, that I don't know. Craig, I'm I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it. Like we you and I talked about it when I saw you briefly that yesterday. Um but uh yeah your thoughts on the the new NCAA subdivision that's been proposed. Yeah I want to mention a couple more things first uh mm -hmm. as far as the transfer portal goes. Gunner Gundy off in the transfer portal now so that's interesting. Uh being, you know, that his father's the head coach there at Oklahoma State, but he's now in the transfer portal, and Cincinnati picked up Brendan Soresby from Indiana. So just a note there. Is I they, thought I mentioned that. Yeah, we did mentioned Soresby. Oh, did he, Soresby? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm so just – That's all bear right. Bear with me, man. Um, Ladies I, and gentlemen, Craig Smoke with us on I, Honestly, I don't remember hearing his name whatsoever. So, <laughs> yeah, I just – 
sorry, I was looking out for the Cincinnati fans, and we didn't ignore you guys. But uh, as far as yesterday and the whole proposal and all of that, I mean, it just feels like we're rocket shipping towards that inevitability of, you know, there being a hierarchy that's far more uh, split than what we see right now with the Power Five, Power Four. Uh, it does, in all signs, point towards there being a Power Two type there at the top. Although I think the stuff talked about yesterday, that's not official, mind you. It's just discussions. Yeah. Uh, although with those types of stories, it's like it's official, even though it's not official, and we just react like it's official. There's still a ways to go here, um, and it does seem like it's probably inevitable. Um, but it does allow room for other programs, not in those two, to be a part of it. You just better have your wallets ready. And so how many schools are going to be able to do that? How many schools will want to do that? That's what I'm most curious about if we get to that point, which it seems like we will just based on – the legal precedence and just kind of the way the the wind has been blowing now for a while when it comes to the NCAA. But I don't know. I just uh, I, I want to see more details on what exactly it would look like because it doesn't sound like it would just be here's the Big Ten and the SEC and nobody else is allowed to be invited or allowed to take part. And that's not the case based on this. But again, how many can and will and would want to take part in that? They'll be fine. They'll all be making so much money that it's not even a question of whether or not they'll be involved. Although I know there's some that wonder, well, what about Rutgers or what about, you know, uh, Northwestern or what about those programs? Will they want to spend their money that way? All of that remains to be seen. Um, but I, I just feel like it's kind of the direction that we've been going. I don't love the idea of it, but I know that that's where all Things have been heading for a while now when it comes to player empowerment and paying players and uh, having a system set up where it's not what we have right now, but it is something more where the schools are uh, the ones in charge and are doling out the money. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't have any super strong opinion other than this seemed inevitable and here we are. And it's just happening, I guess, a lot faster than I expected it to. I didn't think it would be like now. I thought it would be a year or two years or three years from now. I thought it would maybe line up more with the TV contracts here in a couple of years, but it's, it's now that it's on the, the table. So that's what was surprising to me is we just ended the season, basically the regular season conference championships. And two days later, here's the big idea for the big split. And and that's what's kind of crazy is just how fast everything seems to be occurring right now. It was two days into the transfer portal, still a day after Sunday. It was, you know, again, because of the transfer portal, there's NIL. Then you had this drop. At least it floated out there on the subdivision. Coaching changes. Uh, and and, and it's, it was, uh, it was right. And then, of course, Colin Klein. Speaking of Kansas State, by the way, uh, note that, they may have found Brandon Marcello. We talked to Brandon quite a bit that they will pro promote offensive line coach Connor Riley to become the offensive coordinator. That not yet finalized, but that is something Brandon felt good enough to put that up there on his Twitter feed. So yeah, so they were ready. To, they were ready to go uh, with something if Colin left, and they probably had to know that it was it was potentially going to happen again after he you know, got interviewed or people wanted him last year, like Notre Dame uh, did. Uh, to go back to Craig, I, like uh, you mentioned schools that may not want to do it. I think there's going to be schools that probably don't really want to do it, but are kind of made to do it. And 
you know, are, are kind of like they're walking through the country club going, how much is this? Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I, guess we, <laughs> I thought we already paid the initiation yeah, fee. There's others. Yeah. I do, I do think it's interesting that, you know, Sankey wasn't, I guess, all the way involved. I do feel like we, can we just name him president of college football now so we can just stop hearing about him whining about what the SEC didn't get or, you know, didn't have yeah. a chance to talk about or he didn't get talked to about or whatever. I mean, you would think he already was the president of college football. I have a great deal of respect for him. I think he's a – a mastermind when it comes to the sports uh, landscape and, and the college ranks and could probably do great things beyond that. So I want to make that very clear, but yeah, like it just seems like he whines a lot, you know, when things aren't told to him immediately or they're not in the know right away. Um, I, and, and maybe it's just, uh, you know, few and far between that actually occurs. But every time I see his name here lately, it's like, well, Greg Sankey says, Greg Sankey's in opposition to Greg Sankey wonders why. So let's just name him the commissioner of college football already. I if he's going to have, after, his, I think after Sunday he needs to kind of take a couple of days off. I mean, you would think so, but but no, I think no. it's just empowered. Yeah, no, when you're SEC. when you're why? you got your way. Or, yeah, yeah, you got your you, way again. You yeah. always get your way. You never don't get your way. So why would you think any differently at this point? I mean, just complain enough or throw your weight around enough, and inevitably your side gets what they want, no matter what the story is. So. Uh, yeah, I don't think that deterred him at all. They got what they wanted. Um, and now they'll be able to brag about, we had half the field because Texas technically counts, right? I'm sure that'll be a part of the, their feeling with this whole thing. But, um, yeah, it's a very interesting story. I know there's some that are already, like, singing the, the funeral songs for half of the college football programs out there. Like, this is the end. We've been t telling you the end's coming. I don't quite see it that way. I think there's a lot of people being a bit dramatic because there's a lot of details that need to come out. But there's no doubt that there is a split coming of some sort, and it's a, a question of what that's going to look like and, and who's going to be a part of it, and that uh, is going to be fascinating to see play out here over the coming weeks and months. I said this yesterday, that you might have a few programs that do this, that they're in, and yet they might go bankrupt in a way because they got to try to keep up with it. All right, when we come back, uh, Dave Softy, yep, Mahler, KJ, uh, KJR in Seattle, his thoughts about the Huskies, Michael Penix, and possibly the Heisman Trophy. Uh, and then Chip Brown today, a little after 4 o'clock. John Kurtz on K-State, losing Colin Klein, regaining what might be Riley as their offensive coordinator. That and more. And this is 365 Sports. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, R, silver sneakers, and more. New bikes arrived and are waiting for you to test yourself, compete against yourself with a screen monitoring your speed, miles, resistance, and power, and with indoor cycling classes every day. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new Mills, new elliptical machines on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Botch, and Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership, plus sauna, whirlpool, and a tanning bed. 16 tennis courts, beautiful stadium court, and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman, assistant junior pro Kenneth, adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake, and commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website, wacotennis.com, or visit us next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. Some say a dog is man's best friend. But I tell you what, boys, you better think again. Cause there ain't nothing better than some cows to 
your friends to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoked barbecue. Next in line. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one, commercial, farm and ranch, or residential. Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Welcome home. Bring in the new year with unbeatable savings on a wide selection of new 2023 Ram trucks during the wrap-up the year sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Whether you need a tough work truck or a rugged off-road companion, Ram trucks are built to handle any challenge in addition to incredible savings. We're also offering generous trade-in values for your current vehicle. Upgrade to a newer model while getting the most out of your trade-in. Hurry in and take advantage of this limited-time opportunity. Visit us today or shop online at allensamuelsdcj.com. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. A couple other coaching notes. Paul tracking down softy at KJR in Seattle. Craig Bowl, very successful North Dakota State. Wyoming, hell of a, hell of a football coach. Was a longtime assistant coach at Nebraska. Announced his retirement. Kind of did it uh, with uh, brick and mortar. Kind of a solid across the board. Had a heck of a career. Obviously, Texas remembers Wyoming. Texas Tech surely remembers Wyoming. And so he has announced 
uh, his retirement. Um, by the way, Paul, he said just give him about five more minutes. Also, New Mexico has found their head coach, Bronco Mendenhall. Remember him? BYU and then, uh, what was it, Virginia? Uh, and now he'll take over as the head coach at New Mexico. Yeah, I, I think he was up for a job last year, Bronco Mendenhall. I don't remember which one, but uh, but that's a good hire for New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good hire for New Mexico. Um, you know, I know that uh, he's had a lot of success uh, around uh, both BYU and Virginia. A little bit of a different story, but a uh, really good head coach and uh, wasn't really paying too much attention, to be honest with you, about New Mexico and their job opening with this carousel. But uh, that's a big name for them to go and land. And seems like the schools out in New Mexico have been making a little bit more noise here over the last year or so. So uh, that's been interesting to, to track, and this should only – Enhance that even further. Um, as far as Craig Bowen, Wyoming, I've been there a long time, had a lot of success, and, you know, it's uh, time to, I guess, wind it down for him. So that's understandable. But, uh, yeah, that's a definitely a notable departure, but a notable uh, incoming hire as well. And just thinking about this a little bit yesterday, but what a – it wasn't like the carousel was a dud, but, man, it was not nearly as big of a deal no. as it has been the last couple of years. I mean, it kind of just came and went, and that was pretty much all there was to it. And there's, like, what, maybe a job or two that's, that's still open at this point, but – there wasn't a whole lot of drama. It was just kind of hires that made sense or a lot of schools deciding that they weren't going to get in the game. Um, but everything seemed to kind of just click into place pretty quickly. And we didn't even get into halfway through December before the carousel was pretty much already uh, done and over with. So I know there's some things here and there to, to finalize. But, uh, yeah, those are a couple of very interesting notes. So uh, curious to see what, what Bronco Mendenhall is able to do with the Lobos. Craig Bull played at Nebraska, coached uh, with Osborne, went to Wyoming. Gene Taylor was the uh, AD at North Dakota State, who's now at Kansas State, who hired Craig Bull to be the head coach at North Dakota State. And, of course, the last 10 years at Wyoming. Dave Softy Mahler, KJR Seattle with us on 365 Sports. Well, UW did it. They ran the table. Penix and uh, the Huskies sweep Oregon. And uh, and Dave set up now. They get a chance to take a deep breath. Do they need that after the, the gauntlet of the Pac-12? Yeah, well, first of all, how about that, boys? How about that? How about that? How about UW going 13-0? and How about Washington, man? After week six against Oregon, Duck fans are flapping their gums running their fat mouths about getting together again in Vegas. And, hey, things are going to be different when we see you guys on a neutral field. Wrong. Because UW beat Oregon's ass worse in Vegas than they did in Seattle. And, yeah, this is a damn good football team right now, Dave. And they're, they're picking up some steam. But they definitely need a couple of weeks off here, man. Michael Penix, Dylan Johnson, uh, they're great running back number seven. Don't know if you guys saw the game Friday in Vegas. He was a freaking animal in that game. Uh, they got first and 20 on the last drive of the game for UW after a holding penalty. And Dylan Johnson says, you know what? Don't worry about it. I, I got it myself. I got all of it myself against a really good front seven guys against a defense that was really solid the entire year. But that was until UW came to Vegas and tore them up on national TV and got to 13-0. And now we get your boy Stark, my old guy up here in Seattle, and the Texas Longhorns, baby, coming to town in New Orleans on New Year's Day, and I can't wait. <laughs> uh, 
What do you feel Let's about <laughs> What do you feel about the the oh. matchup with Texas? I mean, you you saw them in a bowl game last year that doesn't really uh, right you know doesn't really translate in, in modern uh, college football because of opt outs and all that. But uh, this right. is two pretty high flying offenses and solid D's. Yeah, I mean, look, anybody who looks at the Alamo Dome or the Alamo Bowl a year ago and says, well, we got this because we beat, it's just, it's, it's apples and oranges. You're exactly right. It's stupid. I mean, Bijan Robinson built out of that game, didn't even play. Uh, now you got Jonathan Brooks. You got a great depth, I think, at, at running back. If I'm not mistaken, you guys can tell me, but it feels like Texas has a lot of depth at the running back spot. Um, it's going to be a totally different animal. Uh, versus where they were a year ago. There's no question about that, man. I mean, this this Texas run defense is really, really good, as you guys know, really, really stout. Uh, I think Washington is going to be able to throw the ball on Texas. I, I don't know if they'll be able to run it the way they did against the Oregon Ducks, but, uh, dude, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a, a high-scoring game. I think you uh, better carve out about four hours for the entire thing on New Year's Day, and the over might hit by halftime. That's what I think. Yeah, you won't have to worry about Jonathan Brooks. He's hurt, so he, he's out. But they have a, some five-star youngins that have already kind of stepped in and, and really done their thing really well. And I am very curious to see how Washington's able to, to run the football against that Texas defense. They are yep. or something else. But uh, I'm also curious to see how Michael Penixon is able to do uh, facing this Texas defense. Softy, what's your Heisman pitch for Michael Penix? It seems like he was in that conversation, and then he just really wasn't. And it was more about yeah. Bo Nix, and it was Jaden Daniels. Right. And Jaden Daniels... Daniels, with all due respect, is not playing in the types of games that Michael Penix is playing in. So what is your thoughts on, on Penix and the Heisman Trophy? Well, that's exactly what my argument would be, that between him and Bo Nix and Marvin Harrison and Jaden Daniels, he's the only one that's 13-0. and uh, He's the only one that survived the gauntlet of the schedule that college football threw at him. He played Bo Nix twice, and he beat him twice, once in Seattle and once in Vegas on a neutral field. Uh, he had to make throw after throw after throw in the clutch because every game Washington played for the final two months was close. I mean, guys, go look at where UW was uh, in the fourth quarter of all these games uh, going back to the last maybe eight or nine weeks. Every single game was a four-quarter game, and Michael Penix made the play when he had to in every single game. May not be a big touchdown pass. It may not be a 50-yard bomb, but laser beams to the sideline on third and two to Jalen McMillan in the game on Friday against uh, 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 in Vegas against the Ducks. Laser beam to Roma Dunze on third down to beat the Oregon State Beavers. Play after play, he delivered when the spotlight was brightest. And look, I mean, Oregon, to their credit and to Bo Nix's credit, they were blowing people out of the water, right? I mean, I totally get it. I mean, Bo Nix is certainly one of the premier players in college football, but there's only one guy that beat Bo Nix, and he beat him twice, and Michael Penix had way more pressure on him and a much brighter spotlight than Jaden Daniels did because LSU was out of this a month and a half ago, and he could just coast and pat his fat stats to the box score and throw up you know, 19 touchdowns against Georgia State or whoever the hell it was they played uh, in, uh, in November. So I think from a pressure perspective, from a clutch perspective, nobody can hold a candle, I think, to number nine, man. Nobody. Garrett Ross is an LSU fan, but Garrett, you're over there going, yeah. I mean, we've talked about the Heisman. He's right. He's one thousand percent right. Yep. Uh, Yep. Hey, listen, guys, I got I got a bail on you. I got uh, something going on here back in the studio, but let's do it again before the bowl game. All right. All right, buddy. Good to have you, Softy. Dave Softy Mahler, KJR Radio in Seattle. Full throttle. So, so that's what it feels like when your thirteen and zero team goes to the playoff. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh. Hey, let's like. Do you want to talk about like? Should have won all your games. Oh wait. Uh, the the absolute opposite in energy in my soul compared to that. Like that's just. Greg, I have a question for you, and I asked this to Paul, and this is for the chat room. Name a sport that is not figure skating or boxing where you have judging. Name a sport where you can win every game as an individual and or a team. Name a sport where you don't lose a game and don't at least have a chance to play for a championship. Yeah, I saw a rant by, uh, I think it was a, uh, Matt Moscona down in Baton Rouge or something. And he had a rant that I think kind of went somewhat viral. And I was sitting there going, like, I think I said the same thing on Monday. Did yeah. I not? Like, yeah. I mean, not not the way that he said it necessarily. But, like, I mean, the same messaging. I feel like maybe it was the fever, and I imagine that. But I'm pretty sure I said this on Monday of, like, this is, this is the stupidest playoff system in existence. It's the dumbest way to crown a champion in all of sports, I think, were my exact words. And I love college football. And I want to make that very clear because the – the uh, the parties that told that told you the fourteen playoff was great and that you were dumb for thinking otherwise or whatever will also you know try to twist this as well as in oh well you must not love college football have you seen that like yeah. oh well you're complaining no maybe I love it and I want it to be better you know like your kids they're not perfect but you want them to be better and you want them to grow and you want them to be the best they can possibly be so I very much love college football but I don't think it's anywhere close to the best that it can possibly be and it certainly isn't the best when it comes to crowning the champion in fact it's the worst in american sports bar none and i would say the world but i just don't know enough about every single sport in every single country to be able to say that with 100 percent certainty but i absolutely can when it comes to american sports I can absolutely say it is the worst championship format in all of american sports and i think it's just a joke it's uh, basically just people stuffing their pockets and getting what they want in the end and twisting it so that they do get what they want in the end which is the tv ratings and the network tv money and money 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 that's all this all revolves around it's obvious with every decision that's made it's obvious with the pushback on uh some of the uh the NIL discussion of why did that become such a big deal? Guess who didn't want to spend the money that they've been getting? The schools. Like, what do you, we have to spend this money that we've been taking in. So it all revolves around money, and we've known that, and we still embrace it, and we still love it anyways. But it's gotten to the point now where it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just the mask is off. The mask got ripped off on Saturday night. I'm not so sure it wasn't hanging by a thread anyways, but it just got completely torn uh, off the, the face of college football on Saturday. And I, I'm finally glad that a lot of people who maybe didn't see that or were just hoping that that wasn't the case were finally able to go, you know what, this does suck. This isn't the fun or best way to crown a champion. Four teams stinks. You know, I, I understand that people want to say, well, should have never left the BCS. Yeah, I mean, versus the four-team playoff, maybe you have a point there. I don't think that was the best way to crown a champion either. I do think there's a middle ground. And I hope that this 12 team is as close to the, the right, proper middle ground that we can get. All I do know is that there's an argument for eight. There's an argument for 16. There's an argument for this and for that. But at least with 12, no matter what you say, everybody who's deserving will have a crack. And then the, the counter argument to that I know is, well, that just means that the 13th team, the 13th team does not have a leg to stand on as far as being in the college football playoff well, if you are at number 13. I'm sorry, but you have at least two losses in that scenario. If you are number 13, too bad. That's just the way that it goes. You can't please everybody. We're not going to go 64 teams, March Madness, Mike Leach style. It has to stop somewhere, but four is not enough. 
Four was never enough. And eight maybe would be the perfect sweet spot, but that's not going to be the case. So 12 it is, and 12 I am happy to see. Screw this 14 playoff and the rigged nature of the entire thing. I don't want to see it anymore, and I'm glad we don't have to beyond this year. Yeah, and, and, and like the more I think about I think it. the meds kicked in. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think, no. I, I, yeah. But it the, just, it's silly. I, I hate seeing the, 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 the kiss but nature of some of the media when it comes to oh, there was a some lot of, of these these decisions, especially with the SEC. It's like, I get you have the biggest media, you have the biggest fan bases, you have this, but the the bowing down and the kissing of the feet of so many people, like, I, I just, it, it disgusts me, honestly. And yeah. it's, it's so disingenuous, but then there'll be the same people to tell you, oh, we just don't love college football, to try and ruin your argument. Bull. No, and, and I do think that them being able to – this being the last four-team playoff, that they can throw out this decision and not have to worry about it next year because they can say, yeah. well, we solved this problem next year. We won't have to worry about a 13-0 team being left out because all the 13-0 te- teams will get in. The only debate there will be the seeding of, of those 13-0 teams. Liberty would get in, right? Yeah, 12, I mean, so they, would SM, they have gotten in? Yep. SMU yeah. would be a question because you'd wonder how that would work with the group of five, but they'll be in the ACC next year, so yeah, they won't so. have that issue. Then they, they would have a great opportunity to get in. Yeah, so they're like, they're like, oh, we've solved all these problems, you know, so we just had to do it this one year, and, you know, it sucks for FSU, but, you know, they're not the same team. I mean, like, and that's what you keep hearing. Based on what? Uh, my own personal preferences uh, and my eye test. Yeah. Okay, well, that's not that's that's ironclad. You certainly there's no way that you have an ulterior motive, or there's no way that you're not going to pick the best team because you seem to have it all figured out. Man, just sitting in room watching TV like the rest of us. What makes your opinion so much greater other than the fact that you've got tenure at these universities? You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. think having a group of people decide. Like it's the Miss America contest of who the best football team in America is is just a stupid way to decide things, and I can't believe we haven't exploded before. I know there's been various uh, points and turns. People point out Auburn years and years and years ago, and it's by far, uh, it's not you know even close to being the the first and only screw job in college football when it comes to deciding champions. But this was just so blatantly just stupid on the part of the committee. And look, this is I, I don't want this to be an anti-Alabama thing. Like I feel like Alabama gets caught in the crosshairs like it's their fault. It's not their fault. It's This is not anti-Alabama. This is anti the structure. This is anti the system. And this is anti all the money-grubbing uh, shot callers that continue to do not what's best for the sport, what's best for their pocketbooks. It's still not going to change, even with 12. But we know that. But at least there's more room for error. Sir, blah, blah, blah. I vote for Miss Montana. Uh, when it comes to a beauty contest. Also, Kim Coulter fired off a super chat. Okay, Craig's back. And and so uh, that's a super chat for you being back. When we come back, Chip Brown covers Texas for 247, uh, also hosts a show, a UT uh, talk show. Uh, His thoughts about where they are, getting a break. Everybody gets kind of to take a deep breath. Texas and the run they're on at 12-1 and with Sarkeesian and company, Chip Brown next on 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now in downtown Waco. Look, if you're a craft beer fan and you want to get some of those winter brews, look, if you're heading to the Christmas parties this week, I've got one to go to uh, on Friday night. Uh, you need to pick up uh, some libations for that party. Riverbend Liquor and Wine is the place to go. So whatever you're in the market for, whether it's whiskey, beer, whatever, they've got it there. They've got great expertise, no matter which location, downtown or the original on Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street. I'll be stopping by before the party 
uh, to pick up some uh, some whiskey for the host uh, because it's what I like to do uh, every year. And they've got a great selection of especially local craft bourbons there at Riverbend Liquor and Wine. Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, and now in downtown Waco. Can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award winning lineup of best selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F 150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Humidor in the Talmud Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, is your holiday item superstore. Half spiral hams, 8 to 10 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Pit hams, 12 pounds for $4.45 a pound. Bone-in hams, 18 to 22 pounds for $3.40 per pound. Whole raw turkeys from 12 to 16 pounds for $2.50 a pound. Whole smoked turkeys, that's smoked turkeys at 9 to 12 pounds for $3.75 a pound. And many pit hams, Six to eight pounds for $5.99 a pound. And don't forget, they have full service butcher shop where you can find what you want, pork, poultry, seafood, and beef. And I bring up the beef because big beef tenderloin or a prime rib. Brian Bauer and the Bauer family. Full service bakery with fresh baked kolaches every morning and bread. And cold beer and wine. Tailgate needs from pellet fuel to charcoal. Waco Custom Marketplace and the holiday items, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Chip Brown, Horns 247, has a show in the afternoon. His longtime writer, columnist, joins us on 365 Sports. And Chip, thank you. Time with Craig and Paul. And I'm David Smoke. So uh, how much... 
it seems like there's some schools that are going to be teams in the in the semifinals. I'm sure everybody could get a break and, and earn the break and enjoy the break. How much did Texas need that? Because it seemed like they were peaking at the right time. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's kind of a a double edged sword, but I'll say this: they needed to get um, Ryan Watts healthy. Their bound, their six foot three boundary corner. Uh, going up against this Washington um, number, you know, top-ranked passing offense in FBS, 2,000-yard receivers and Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk. So as well as things were kind of coming together for Texas, uh, they needed to end Xavier Worthy with the, uh, with the ankle injury in the Big 12 title game. He needs to get healthy. So um, I think – They'll take the recovery over the momentum. Chip, uh, is, did in the last two games, did Quinn Ewers move from good to great? Well, he, he showed against Alabama that he could play at an elite level. And I think he, you know, tapped back into that against Oklahoma State and you know, you want to, you know, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, you want to know your quarterback can rise to the to the moment, that the moment's not too big. And obviously it helps to have receivers like A.D. Mitchell, uh, tight end like Tavian Sanders and, and Xavier Worthy. Uh, but, yeah, that was, you know, that was his best game as a longhorn by the numbers now the interception he threw was terrible um and led to a touchdown for oklahoma state but you know everything else he did thrown for 450 and you know moving the ball all over the field to different playmakers was you know was outstanding so uh i think that you know he very well might have to do it again in the Sugar Bowl, because this could could end up being a bit of a shootout, and and Quinn Ewers has shown he can he can handle that. Chip, what have you thought about the way the run games, uh, or how they produced uh, with the absence of Jonathan Brooks, and and obviously a very cool moment there at the end of the game, Sark getting Brooks there to to knee it out. Just your thoughts on on both of those things? Yeah, I, I'll start with the Brooks moment first. I, I thought. You know, first of all, Jonathan Brooks, what a great uh, story he was through the first, you know, uh, nine, ten games of the season. And then for him to suffer the, the torn ACL against TCU, your your heart just sunk because the guy was doing everything possible. And he really was the MVP of the offense at that point of the season. I mean, and he just embodied everything you want a guy who's fighting through tackles and, you know, always get picking up yards after first contact. And, and so, you know, for Sarkeesian to be that forward thinking and tell the team on Thursday, you know, when we win and we are taking the, the knee for the victory formation, Jonathan Brooks will be on the field with us. I thought that was really cool and really gets to Steve Sarkeesian and his connection with his players and, um, and their connection with each other. And then as far as the running game, I think, you know, Jaden Blue has been uh, 
you know, he's been a, a, a revelation here these last two games against Texas Tech and against Oklahoma State. C.J. Baxter, big, strong back um, who can catch the football. But, you know, Jaden Blue, who had not been used very much until Jonathan Brooks went down, uh, has shown, hey, I'm good for 10 to 15 carries, too. Don't forget about me. So uh, Texas still has a, a little, you know, one-two punch, a rotation there at running back. And you put in Keelan Robinson, mm-hmm. who's had four touchdowns in the last two games. Uh, and Sark does such a great job of drawing up plays um, for for Keelan Robinson. Now it was pretty much two outside zone uh, running plays that he scored from 57 yards and 10 yards in the Big 12 title game, but he had a screen uh, against Texas Tech, and Sark's screen game is is just so good. So um, yeah, that Texas looks like they're you know they're still two dimensional. Robinson, I know he hasn't had a lot of carries as far as rushes, uh, just 12. He's averaging 11.2 yards per carry. And it does seem like every time he carries the football, it's 25 to 30 yards and, and about every other time a touchdown. Yeah, and he's a veteran. You know, he's ready. He's always ready. And I think that Sarkeesian um, has turned to him with Jonathan Brooks injured and said, okay, you know, you're doing everything for us in the return game and on special teams, trying to block, you know, punts and kicks and um, – you know, now we need you to help carry the load in terms of the offense, and the guy just does whatever's asked. It's going to be fun to, to see, you know, he, he might remind you a little bit of like a Devontae Turpin type of player who uh, will probably make an NFL roster next year as a return guy and will just do anything that's asked. Chip Brownhorns 247 with us on 365 Sports. Chip, this, um, you know, the bad matchup for the Longhorns in this one is the wide receivers versus the secondary, which is struggle. But you mentioned getting Ryan Watts back. Is that where you think the kind of rubber meets the road uh, when it comes to how this game will go from this very vaunted Texas defense? Well, they've got to stay aggressive. You know, they they got those three score leads against Houston, TCU, and K-State, and they started to play soft coverage, try and, you know, zone, try to keep everything in front of them. And it, they're just not built for that. And Sarkeesian finally, you know, went to Kwiatkowski and said, hey, we just, we got to stay aggressive. This is what we, you know, said we were going to do. We're going to play up on the line. And, and you know, a guy like Malik Muhammad, the freshman, that's what he's all about. Like, he's better in man than he is, you know, playing zone as a true freshman. And so they got back to getting up on the line against Texas tech and, and just running with receivers. And if they give up a big play, they give up a big play, but um, they're not just going to get completely annihilated uh, in the passing game. And that's what was happening. You know, when they'd get these leads, they, they build the lead one way and then change. And, you know, against Washington, I, I get that you can't play man every snap and they're going to be really tricky and, and, and Kalen DeBoer does a good job of, of moving receivers around and not letting you kind of get uh, into a, a rhythm. But Texas has got to stay aggressive because 
they are just not um, – they have not shown that they can, you know, play decent zone coverage against a, a quarterback and receivers who can who can get hot. And good God, Michael Penix, we know he can get hot with guys like Roma Dunze and, and Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan. So it's going to be fascinating. But, yeah, they need Ryan Watts. They need, you know, Malik Muhammad. They need Terrence Brooks, Gavin Holmes. They need all those guys to be, you know, totally on their game. And with 15 practices, the equivalent of spring football, you would expect that you'll see the best product yet that we've seen. Jib, Texas has had a lot of great defenders, a lot of great defensive linemen over the years, but uh, with their big guys up front right now, uh, how does that stack up, you think, to years past and especially some of the better Texas teams you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I wrote um, an article at Horns 24-7 um, earlier in the season about how Tavondre Sweat and, and Byron Murphy, you know, they stack up with, um, you know, Roy Miller and um, Lamar Houston and, uh, probably, you know, you go all the way back to Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. I mean, the way these guys feed off each other, their chemistry together. Um, Andre Sweat, the 362-pound, immovable object, and Byron Murphy, who just penetrates. I mean, he he just gets into gaps. And and credit Bo Davis, the defensive line coach, for for making that, uh, getting Pekwakowski to to commit to that because that's that's what you know Byron Murphy's so good at and he's been a he's been such a force and and he and Sweat together and and Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke I mean Ethan Burke leads the team in sacks and he played four games with a serious knee injury got arthroscopic surgery during the season missed the BYU game came back and had two sacks in the K-State game including a strip sack it's a five that Texas scored on the next play. So, um, yeah, this front is for real. And, you know, it's not a great matchup for Texas. They'd probably match up better with Michigan, honestly, um, because no one is, is really run on them with a design running game. You know, Dylan Gabriel ran for 113 yards, but majority of those were on broken play scrambles and, and, uh, you know, as far as just trying to run their normal offense, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State with Taj Brooks and Ollie Gordon, you know, two of the top three rushers in college football, they couldn't they couldn't do it. So um, it'll be interesting to see how much pressure they can get on Michael Penix because that's going to be the key, especially if they can get pressure up the middle. You know, Chip, coaches ever since Mac left – there has been this culture and sometimes that might be overrated or maybe brought up, but it seems like Sark has done it methodically because there has been with the glitz and glamor entitlement that is at times eaten up that program. How did it change? How did he take, like I was looking at Jordan Winningham and, and the numbers he has 38 catches. A, that's a star. That's a guy that could be a star somewhere else or Keelan Robinson with 11, 12 carries, but he's got a kick return for a touchdown. How has he been able to manage them? And it's easier said than done to truly believe in what is better for the team rather than for you. Yeah, and I give 
Sark a lot of credit. I mean, I think his first year he was observing and and evaluating who who was in, who was out, and and they went five and seven, <laughs> and it was ugly six six game losing streak, longest since nineteen fifty six. Um, but then you know Bo Davis kind of did the yep. you know took the trash out on that bus in Ames, Iowa, saying you know, some of you bleeps need to get in the portal if you think this is funny. And he sort of said what all the guys on the team who wanted to be there were thinking. And and so, you know, Sarkeesian and Bo Davis joke, Sark's always like, hey, Bo, they're going to build a statue of you in the North End for that moment because that sort of was the tipping point. And then Sark, you know, started instituting the Culture Wednesdays where – he was having all the players meet in groups during the summer so that every player on the team got to know the life story of every other player on the team. And, and I think that, you know, that is the kind of stuff that builds a bond. And, and Sark was first, you know, he always went first and was vulnerable and talked about, you know, his life lessons and, and why, it, this job matters to him and why the players matter to him. And, you know, his son is in the room, you know, Brady Sarkeesian is in the room. And it, it just, I think the players really felt like, okay, this guy is, this guy's about us. And, um, and so they were willing to, to give back to him. Chip, the, the, the break, we discussed that the momentum to give that up, to get healthy with especially a couple of key players worthy had the ankle, which could have like been really disastrous, could have been a ligament, could have been a bone. He seems like he'll be okay among some others. Um, give me an unsung hero on this team of otherwise a bunch of players that are really, really good. Is there? A, give me a couple of them if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I think you know when you you look at um, you know hell special teams. You know, Ryan Sanborn, the punter, who's averaged 46 yards of punt. Burt Auburn, who started off the season five of nine, and people were questioning whether, you know, he should give Will Stone a try kicking field goals. And then, you know, Sark stands by him. The kid makes 19 field goals in a row. Um, and then, you know, I think there are some guys who are kind of waiting. Well, Anthony Hill, I mean, yeah. everyone knows about him, the five-star, but for him to come as far as he has, I, I did a story today comparing his numbers to DeMarvian Overshone. Both, you know, Overshone was the second leading tackler last year. Anthony Hill's the second leading tackler this year. And he didn't even, you know, he was a situational pass rusher at the beginning of the year. He's got more sacks than Overshone had last year. Um, or, you know, quarterback hurries. That kid has, you know, just become a monster here in front of our eyes. So um, Jalen Ford told me that kid's going to be better than I am. And if he's not, I'll be disappointed. So uh, Derek Williams, it's safety. Another guy who's kind of just gotten better and better as the season has gone on. He got ejected for targeting in the second half of the, the very first play of the second half on the kickoff. It was, uh, you know, they're, and then they appealed it and they didn't, it was denied. So he's going to miss the first half of the sugar bowl. And that, that hurts because, um, you know, he's been one of the better safeties 
going up against uh, Washington defense. Chip, appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. It should be one heck of a countdown to to what's going on. When the, the, the Big 12 found out that Texas and OU were leaving a couple of summers ago, there has been this narrative, and a lot of it because Texas was not reaching what most people thought there is their standard of, of what it should be. Have they kind of like put people on alert because of the run they've made that, hey, we're going to be just fine next year when we join the SEC? I, I mean, we'll see how, you know, they're going to lose to Vondre Sweat. They're probably going to lose Byron Murphy, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, uh, maybe J.T. Sanders to the, to the league. So, but they're good in the trenches. I mean, if they get Alfred Collins back, Vernon Broughton back, they should have the offensive line back. They should be able to compete in the SEC. And Quinn Ewers, I think, is still trying to figure it out. He's, He's not a slam dunk to go to the league. We'll see how these next couple, you know, if see how this game goes against Washington and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think Sark's done a really good job in recruiting. He's got to continue to build up that beef on the defensive line. That's, that's going to make or break it because he did not recruit uh, Tavondre Sweat, and that guy turned into – you know, an All-American, of Outland Trophy finalist. And now he's got to bring in those guys because we all know that outside of quarterback, those difference-making defensive tackles, you know, like Siaka Ika at Baylor, those are the guys who, um, you know, they're the most important guys outside of the quarterback in recruiting, and they're the hardest to find. Thank you, Chip. Appreciate your time. Chip Brown, 247 Sports with us on UT. Earlier, Softy covers Washington for KJR in Seattle. When we come back, we're not done. Around the corner, John Kurtz covers K-State. Uh, everybody last night went to bed wondering about Colin Klein, then woke up today getting the reality he's leaving. They've already it appeared it, it maybe replaced him. We'll hear from John Kurtz. It's been a tough day in Manhattan. And maybe a note or two about Jerome Tang and K-State men's basketball because not everything's, uh, like, happy there, even though a nice win against Villanova in the last three seconds. This is 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace off 35 in Waco. Dr. Rob Maxey, one of the partners. Dr. Rob Maxey and his partners have put together a business that is pretty phenomenal because uh, – it's going to get the information, evidence that you need, that your doctor needs about what is bothering you, whether it's your shoulder, knee, your lower back, whether it's your hip, whatever hurts your body. They'll get an MRI. An ideal MRI will do that for $497 and something about that just a second. They'll find the evidence. It's a ligament. It's a muscle. It's something else. Or maybe it's not. At least then you can at least get a different diagnosis of what could be bothering you when you can't function. You can't sleep. You have to toss and turn one side to the other. And then 497 is the cost. The average MRI is $1,100. $1,100. Their cost is $497. When they call you to get an appointment, it doesn't take forever. When you get there to get your MRI, it does not take forever. It's an incredible machine, state-of-the-art technology at IdealMRI.com. 
Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. GXG works with partners and donors to offer a suite of options to student-athletes, including connections with local businesses and nonprofits, entrepreneurial development, and other avenues to broaden the NIL profile of student-athletes. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund, BaylorBears.com GXG. Donors may wish to support the general fund or direct funds to specific sports. Oversight of the NIL Fund is managed by the Board of Directors of Startup Waco and the Baylor NIL Advisory Council. GXG is a program of Startup Waco, a tax-exempt organization under Internal Revenue Code Section 501c3. Donors should consult their tax advisors regarding the tax deductibility of donations to GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for, try the sick of sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com.
TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. John Kurtz, KC Sports Network, covers Kansas State, but much more than that, the Big 12, of course, joins us on 365 Sports. John, don't let me forget to ask you about some of the turmoil appears to be in the men's basketball program on the suspension and Jerome Tang and the president will get to that. But what kind of 24 hours has it been when you have a local legend who is beloved, but has an opportunity, which he's turned down other places, big boy schools, and now he's gone. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I mean, it has been a 24 hours. You guys have something good to tell me. Can we start with some good news? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. <laughs> unfortunately, no, no, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, just thought I would check. Yeah. Um, it's been rough. Uh, you know, sandwiched in between this was a, a heck of a basketball win last night against Villanova with Tyler Perry hitting a game winning three. And I, so I was at the game and it was, you know, we're driving to, uh, to be frank with you, we've known about this common stuff bubbling under the surface for a while, but so that was always present, but the Colin, I was a little blindsided by the Colin Klein piece of this yesterday and, and saw the first tweet that kind of hit like right as we were walking into the arena last night. So I spent most of the game on my phone uh, trying to, to get to the bottom of what was going down. I mean, look, it's, I guess I'll put it like this. The surprise to me comes from the fact that, yes, last year he did turn down Notre Dame. It got very close. And I think in the final hour, K-State made uh, kind of a pull at the heartstrings type of push to, to get him to stay. And then Penn State had come sniffing around. Obviously, they wound up with Andy Kotelnicki uh, this offseason. Penn State came sniffing around, and Colin has a connection with James Franklin, who was Ron Prince's first offensive coordinator when uh, there was there was a little bit of overlap there, I believe, in the recruitment process. Um, so I was surprised that that didn't get further down the road, but it sounded like Colin didn't get real far with that, and then they obviously wind up with Kotelnicki. So I had been lulled to sleep a little bit by this. But I think when you look at the opportunity with Texas A&M, I mean I, – I will put it this way. I think Colin Klein's thinking on this. I think it's a lot of factors. I think it's a lot about his career. I don't think it's all about the money. Um, I think there were a number of factors that went into it. And once I started to learn a little bit more, uh, doing some digging on the situation, it, it made more sense to me. 
And the bottom line is, like, it's hard to be too mad at Colin Klein here. Like, the guy's earned it. He's a stud. And when you see the suitors that have come after him the last two offseasons, I mean, like, hey, you just kind of tip your cap. Like, the guy's done a great job, and, and that's the game, man. He's, he's going to go take another one of those jobs eventually, I think people thought. But I think the frustration is there was a thought that he was going to be the next in line for, for Chris Kleiman uh, or for the head coaching job if and when Chris Kleiman were to decide to hang it up. And, you know, now who knows what happens uh, with all of this, and the timing just couldn't be worse. That's, that's the bottom line. That is the roughest part of this for K-State. You knew you may lose him at some point, but you've already had three of the quarterbacks leave the quarterback room because they were making the way for Avery Johnson. And now, of course, there's a ton of concern about whether or not Avery Johnson is going to stick around, which early reports have been good on that front, but it's a long way to go before you get to the portal closing and uh, not having to, to really sweat that one out. So timing could not be worse because you're, you, you have this transcendent quarterback uh, ready to play here within the, the program as, as they try to keep the momentum going from the last couple of years, and you just worry about what the snowball effect uh, might be if he were to decide to leave, let alone – figuring out how to play a bowl game because they're already having to try and get a waiver just so they can have a backup quarterback uh, to Avery Johnson in the bowl game. So kind of a mess, kind of a mess right now. Yeah, John. And so, yeah, just to, I mean, you said it all there, but so there is a concern about Avery Johnson. I mean, I, I know that's kind of obvious when a coach leaves, but you just wonder with how, you know, they have kind of groomed the situation for him. It just seems like, oh, well, he was going to be automatic, but that is something I guess that the K-State fans are going to be worried about, huh? Well, I think it's just a, a – I'm not saying that based on any info because, like I said, everything gotcha. I've heard today has been pretty positive okay, about that. Okay, good. Um, so I think there were – I'm trying to think how to correctly phrase this. Like, I think I think Avery Johnson was not specifically just loyal uh, to, to Colin Klein. So I think they've got a shot here, but, I, you know, I would under he, – he's probably got to be involved with the offensive coordinator selection, I would imagine. Um, I don't know how far down the road they are. I saw Brandon Marcello's report – that the momentum was trending toward Connor Riley. I, I'm not sure that it's that far down the road. I'm sure he'll be a candidate. He's internal. He's an offensive line coach. Those guys are usually not offensive coordinators. See what happens with that. But, I mean, I know he is, he is a really respected offensive line coach, but I, my hope was kind of that they would go for more of a nat- natural, uh, national rather sort of search there and, uh, and have Avery Johnson be involved in that. I think that's a heck of a, a carrot to throw out there for a potential offensive coordinator. So, yeah. Early returns are good that he would stay, but, I mean, he's, he's just such a key to this. Like, I think if he sticks around, this becomes a pretty manageable situation, right? You can go find another offensive coordinator. There are a couple, even beyond Connor Riley. I know, like, Brian LePac is a guy that they really like on staff. I think there may be some concern about him going with Colin, who I believe is going to get free reign to hire a couple of coaches um, at Texas A&M, and that was a part of the appeal uh, for his contract there. So, uh, you know, Josh Buford is another guy on staff. I think they feel – uh, they think very highly of, but um, I'm not sure how far of a bump he'll get on the staff. So I, there's a lot of moving parts as far as that goes. I would hope that Avery Johnson becomes involved in it. But if he sticks around, it, this can be manageable. If he leaves, then you may have – I mean, they've got a lot of young, talented skill players that I know are really tied in with Avery. I mean, you just worry about how how, how much that snowball could get rolling if, if he decides not to stick around. So it's just going to be a tenuous time really no matter what happens until you get to the point where you know for sure that he's going to be locked in for next year. John, for fans that were hoping for Colin Klein to be the next head coach, Chris Klein is not old. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, unless he, you know, has like a goal that he would get and then not do that. That that seems to be kind of a silly thing to like wait on. That would be a a, kind of a long time because Kleiman's uh, damn good coach and not going anywhere. 
Chris Kleiman, I do not think is a guy who wants to coach as long as say a Bill Snyder did. Um, I think that, you know, it's kind of one of the worst kept secrets I would feel like at this point around K state, not that the guy's going to retire tomorrow or anything, but I just think he's, he's cut from a different cloth than what K state before and Bill Snyder. And that's like, you know, obviously the, the line of thinking a lot of people would have when they just saw Bill Snyder coach as long as he did there at K state. So, um, I'll just throw that into the mix, but you're right. I mean, look, and I, you know, I kind of bought into it too. I had hoped that it would work out like that, but it was all, especially when you started to see who was sniffing around last year, it was always going to be unrealistic, uh, probably to be able to, to keep him around to make that perfect transition. I think the, the fear now is just like, you know, you get a taste of the big time. I think a lot of this was like Colin Klein wanted to make sure, like Colin's been running this offense with the resources available at K State, which are certainly very competitive for the Big 12. But I think a part of him wanted to go do it with another coach and go do it with the resources of a big-time program. And you know, as much as we can joke about what Texas A&M accomplishes with those resources, they have resources. <laughs> so you, you can't get much better in terms of what he's going to have to work with at, at Texas A&M. So I, I think some of that is a part of it. And then you worry, you know, once you get a, you know, what, what is it? Like you see, you show the guy a taste of Paris or whatever. I mean, I forget what the exact saying is like that, but basically you get a taste of the big time. What's going to happen there. I mean, does he ever come back? I think it's legitimate concern, but you just kind of have to let him go. You know I mean? K-State fans have been through this with Brent Venables. That was always a, a dream that K-State fans had of him coming back as an alum to be a, a coach at K-State. He's a guy that not only played for Bill Snyder, but coached under Bill Snyder on some of the best teams that Bill Snyder had in the, the mid to late nineties. So that was always a dream, and it never worked out. And I think that's that's fans' concern is that this is going to be another another situation like that. John, you know how it is with just outside general perception. Like we have a pretty, we follow K State pretty close, but we don't know what it's like inside the way that that you and, and others like you do. So from the outside looking in, eight and four seems like a pretty respectable season, albeit a little bit disappointing because all four of those games are games that could have gone the other way. I mean, all very tight games. Uh, but coming off that Big 12 title last year, um, a chance at nine wins, does that have people excited? Or how would you sort of define or describe the 2023 season for K-State and their expectations? Yeah, it was a little disappointing. I, I call it a little disappointing for most, um, especially because of the way that it played out. They were so close to Texas. Um, you know, it's a game you feel like they, they probably should have won. The Missouri game was really frustrating at the beginning of the year, and there was a lot of back and forth between the two fan bases on that, you know, local rivals. That was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, the Kansas win was really nice, and, you know, if you wouldn't have had that, I think K-State fans would have been looking at this as a pretty disastrous year. Um, but they, they did get that. But to lose the Iowa State game and to lose it the way that they did with, I mean, historically, uh, you go through the numbers in terms of yards per play, literally like points per play. Iowa State scored like 1.3 points per play in that game. It was historically maybe the worst defensive performance K-State has ever put out there on the field. And just to have it happen that way left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because that, that is a rivalry game. That's uh, that's a coach that in K-State fans feel like they should be beating more than, than Chris Kleiman has. And uh, that was, that was a really bitter pill for people to swallow at the end of the year. So I would have characterized it as, as mildly disappointing, um, which is a testament to where they had raised the level of the program the last couple of years for sure. Um, but it, it was the way that it happened and who some of the losses were to, um, you know, basically the, the biggest games on the schedule outside of Kansas is, is what really kind of colored that as a disappointment, I would say, for most. Yeah, and being at the five or three or whatever yard line they were in Austin after coming back against Texas, um, 
There's a lot of people that those who don't like UT, should they not be blaming K-State for the factor in the semifinals? Oh, I think that's totally fair. I think it's totally <laughs> fair. I mean, K-State had first and goal at the six, man. Um, and I, you know, you can go relitigate that entire thing, but I, I feel like even Colin Klein, I feel like he dialed up a couple of touchdowns there that just weren't executed. I mean, you look at the first and goal play, Will Howard cut it left. If he has the vision to go right, I, he's either going to score or get pretty close down to the one or two. And I think that drastically changes what your options are, your play calls. They had jump pass that was going to be there, but Devondre Sweat uh, knocked it down. The Benson, it was also wide open on that play over to the right. I mean, it's just, I could go on and on. They probably should have scored on three of the four plays. They scored on zero of the four plays. And, uh, there you have it. So, let me know what's happening with K-State basketball with Jerome Tang. It's excitable. Uh, obviously, he called out the, the students. They showed up in droves. A great last-second win last night. But is there something going on between he and the president or the school and the suspension of one of their better players? Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, not, it's not great right now. Um, so what you have, Naquan Tomlin has not played the entire year. Uh, you could argue that he's the best player on – K-State's roster, you know, I'm going to be between him or, or Arthur Kaluma or Tyler Perry. Um, but he got a lot of really good feedback this offseason that, you know, I think he was borderline close to leaving for the NBA. He got such positive feedback there. So, like, he's a dude. He hasn't been available the entire year. Um, he was arrested in a bar fight. Um, i trying to remember the specific timing on that, but right before the season. Uh, got started and uh, – or very early in the season. Again, I'm, I'm mixed up a little bit on the dates there, but – he hasn't played the entire year. He's missed every game K-State has played, right? So he goes through the legal process on this. Jerome Tang had said early on, like, we got to let the legal process play out, and then we'll kind of go from there. And early on, he had said, we're kind of treating it like a season-ending injury right now, but, you know, we'll see what happens. And then he goes through the legal process. It winds up going to diversion. And so as far as the legal stuff is concerned, it seems like it is over. He's he's on diversion. There are some terms that he has to carry out. Um but he's been working toward doing some of that. I know some of it was community service. He was out uh, handing out turkeys for Thanksgiving that he had bought. They, they made a big deal to publicize that on social media. So he had been doing all the right things. He had started coming. He's been on the bench uh, for the last handful of games all of a sudden, but not not warming up or anything, just back on the bench. So like kind of a part of the team, but not really. I think behind the scenes, Jerome Tang and company expected slash wanted him to be back within the last week or two. Uh, that did not happen, and it's being held up by the university president. Um, and I, I feel very, very confident from about 10 different angles that he is the guy. He is the lone guy holding it up right now, and that has created a lot of friction with the basketball staff. And, of course, the concern there becomes, you know, Jerome Tang's a pretty pretty coveted commodity. He's been a, an unbelievable fit, not only just what he's done winning at the school, but changing the culture of the basketball program, making it a very cool uh, program that I think, you know, especially if you're thinking from a university president perspective, opens a lot of eyeballs and a school that's been struggling a little bit in enrollment lately. It just does not seem like a very, I'm just giving you my opinion right now, that does not seem like a very sensical opinion uh, or, or move to make if you're the university president right now. And it's it's gotten public enough now after bubbling under the surface for a little while that you had students protesting outside of the outside of, I believe it was Anderson Hall, uh, where, where his office is today. Anyway, there was a protest. Naquan Tomlin showed up. Players are retweeting, like, free Naquan stuff. I mean, it's pretty clear how the how the staff feels about this right now. And we'll see if anything gets changed. I mean, I, I think as of right now, you know, the president's 
decree would be that he's, he's not going to play. Uh, hopefully that can change and, and we'll see. But I think there's a lot of concern about damage between the relationship there and what that means for Jerome Tang's future at K-State. And this is a fan base that is very, very, very sensitive to that fact because of what played out with John Curry and Frank Martin and Kirk Schultz. Um, speaking of characters, everybody knows and loves around here. Um, back in the day, when those two combined to basically make Frank Martin's life a living hell enough to the point where he decided to leave for South Carolina. Uh, John Curry was really overstepping his bounds in a lot of ways and made that a very difficult, untenable situation for Frank Martin, culminating in an incident where they dug up a receipt from Jamar Samuels for a wire transfer that he had gotten from a family friend back home, and they turned that into a huge deal, wouldn't let Jamar Samuels play, and then it was very shortly after that that Frank Martin decided to leave. So you've had a similar thing play out with a wildly popular head coach before, and look, nothing against Frank Martin, who I love and gave me some great, great memories during my college years, but... I think Jerome Tang is a better coach than Frank Martin. And if you do this again to this fan base, uh, well, look, our reputational damage I think is already done as far as the, the president goes to the fan base and the way everyone's been reacting today. But, yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty uh, stressful times. Stressful times right now in Manhattan. Man, I, I, I could feel that late yesterday as the day was winding mm-hmm. down yeah. from you and others. It was like, man, and I, I the, the Colin Klein report was there. And it seemed like this was different, as you mentioned, the Notre Dame, Penn State, or whoever else. But, man, it's, it's football team's pretty good. They weren't as good as they could have been and they had opportunities but didn't get it done. But, whoo, right now it seems like there's a lot of turmoil. Good luck covering all that, John, and, uh, and get through the next few hours and get some good sleep. Hey, I appreciate that, guys. Anytime. Good to talk to you. You too. That's John Kurtz from KC Sports Network with us on K-State Football and then also last night, great win for K-State. Dialed up a last-second shot and won, beat Villanova. But there's so much more than what's going on than just winning that game. Man, you know when people say to enjoy the moment when things are going well, I mean, there's another example of it. I think especially in college athletics, that success can be so fleeting. You know, they were the hottest program in the Big 12 last mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. I mean, between Jerome Tang's rookie season and mm-hmm. – the football program winning the Big 12. I mean, everything seemed to go right for them. And this year, I mean, it's not like they're at the bottom of the standings and that everybody's leaving in some mass exodus, but it's not as great as it was. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, just take advantage of those moments, those times when your program's really at the tippity top of, of whatever they're doing because it can change at a moment's notice. And look, that this could get way worse. Like, this is not anywhere. Like, if Avery Johnson left and then Jerome Tang left, then you're talking like, apocalyptic you know reactions but uh that's not the case right now but it is interesting that's why i wanted to get clarification on what he was saying about avery johnson i was hoping and i would imagine most k-state fans would hope to hear like oh he's locked in no matter what but you know colin klein leaves and that does crack a door open and that sounds like a really prickly situation they have with their quarterback room heading into this bowl game trying to get a waiver just to have a body that can be there in case of uh needing to break the emergency glass. That's not something that you you love because of the way the transfer portal works. Um, we didn't really get into Will Howard. I mean, I, I don't think it was a, a question of whether or not somebody was going to have to leave and him, but next time we get John on, just be curious about how he kind of views Will Howard well, and how that all ended. And Yeah, they got to get a, like a waiver to get a guy to play yeah. the backup in the bowl game. And look, if Avery Johnson leaves, they're going to have to get like – they're going to have I to get mean, a waiver to, you know, or they're going to have to go. Links Hawthorne, baby. Yeah. That's exactly. what Links Hawthorne, just like uh, FSU, should have been doing with, uh, should have all along, but did try to do a little bit with the Wildcat. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the way you would have to go for that. 
And uh, But, yeah, I mean, just to hear that Avery Johnson, that that's a situation to at least have to keep a side eye on is very, very interesting. So I would imagine they're going to want to make that hire pretty quickly and get him all uh, secured and ready to go for next year because that's the centerpiece. That's the, that's the guy right there that's leading the way for you. But uh, also, yeah, just unfortunate to hear about the situation there with Jerome Tang. I mean, what a hire that was. What a great start he's off to. And uh, you just hope that that can work itself out. But, no, it doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound like it's on good footing right now. So, very interesting situations there in Manhattan to monitor moving forward for at least the next few weeks. All right, we're not done. we got a lot to get to. I'm going to come back with a comment. We brought up a little basketball tonight. Marquette, Texas, and the two top ten teams in basketball. Obviously, Shaka Smart against the Horns. Uh, last night, Baylor beating Seton Hall, and then I mentioned K-State beat Villanova. Um, there's a note from Chuck Cooperstein, who's joined our show many times, who kind of knows – a lot about sports, but is also a broadcaster in the NBA. His thoughts about Baylor freshman Jacoby Walter. We'll have that and more. And who is the most versatile player in college football? That was announced today. We'll have that and more. This is 365 Sports. Right now, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, and Waco. No payments for 90 days. No payments till spring of 2024. All Jeep Grand Cherokees, Jeep Compass, and Jeep Renegade get 10% off below MSRP. And if that's not enough, take 11000 off MSRP on the 2023 Jeep Gladiator Overland. Inventory won't last long. Deals are smoking hot. 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie 4x4. Take 15000 off MSRP, 2.9% for 72 months. One of those two options. New 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star 4x4. Take 12000 off MSRP. MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. First responders get an extra $500 if you want pre-owned cars. Beautiful one owner 2021 Chevy Suburban High Country loaded 40,000 miles for only $59,990. A sexy 2020 BMW X4 sunroof navigation with 40,000 miles sale price $42,985. How about a one owner top of its class 2019 BMW X7 with all the bells and whistles for only $53,990. 2020 Jeep Gladiator Overland for only $34,990 plus tax title and license. All of the deals. Ted Teague, General Manager, CEO Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, Loop 340 east of 84. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu alumni. 
Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin. And you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire, and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 super fan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. The Paul Horning Award. He was a Heisman Trophy winner, and Paul was he the one that won it and was on a team that did it's not two win and eight. a lot. Yep. Two and eight, yeah. Notre Dame, of course, the magic of Notre Dame back in the day. Paul Horning was a heck of a player for Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers. But they announced their winner, the Paul Horning Trophy. Of course, last night in Vegas was the big college football event and the College Football Hall of Fame uh, inductions. But Travis Hunter kind of faded off a little bit uh, after well, the great start the whole team had, but he's he wins the uh, Horning Trophy. I don't think that changed. I mean, he, I think he's a better receiver than he is a defensive back, although he's a pretty, uh, you know, dangerous defensive back in that re regard. But he's a versatile player. And, it, like, you know, you're talking about a guy who plays both ways, plays most of the snaps both ways when he's playing. That's, that's the spirit of that award, I would assume, being vers versatile. And, yeah, the whole Colorado team fell off. I mean, they, you know, they they started out, what, 3 or 4-0, and, oh, and then they – or three and zero, and then they finished one and one and eight. So, um, you know, it, it that was that's going to happen. But he's still he's still a super stud. You know, there's no no getting around that. Well, I mean, it wasn't just both ways; all three ways. I yeah. mean, he played some special teams too. It wasn't nearly as much as he played on offense and defense, but he was very balanced on offense and defense. A terrific player. Dealt with injuries as well during the course of the season. Um, and they needed some good news out there in Boulder. God knows that they needed some good news. It hasn't been so great here lately, but uh, that's something to definitely be excited about. You know, I understand with the relationship that he has with Dion 
and probably the backing that they have financially just for him and Shador alone that there's probably not a ton of worry about the outside influences popping in. But I can only imagine that if you're Georgia, Alabama, Texas, any of these teams with huge money, I mean, are you not at least ringing up Travis Hunter and saying, like, I know you got one more year left before you go off to the NFL, uh, but – you want to come check us out for your final Wait, run? I think you'd have to graduate first because he's already transferred from Jackson. Oh, that's State. right. He did. Yeah, yeah so. I forgot. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, never mind then. But, yeah, he would need to graduate, which I I don't know that he's done that so so quickly. So, yeah, that's right. There are rules in college football. Wow. I forgot almost for a second that there's there were There's rules. at least one. Yeah, there, there's a rule in college football. Uh, but, yeah, so anyways, uh, taking that out of the equation, um, great news for a program that needed some some great news and he's a stud and it'll be fun to watch him in the big 12 next season also chuck cooperstein he does the nba uh voice of the mavericks watching baylor last night in their game with seton halls they're saying when you know you kind of know when you have it talking about jacoby walter the shot he's been very very good he had a great spectacular opening game was really good again last night baylor kind of let him Hang around Seton Hall, of course, a good basketball history, but uh, Chuck Cooperstein, a guy that kind of understands and knows what it looks like on Jacoby Walter, the freshman from Baylor. Yeah, he's he. I mean, he's he's a really fun player to watch. He has uh, Ashley had him here on the on the post game show uh, last night, as a matter of fact. So, uh, really fun player to watch, and and he's also one that sometimes freshmen who are like score first guys. They don't uh, do well when they have games where they score six points. And he seems to not be bothered by that. Like, he, he just knows that, like, okay, well, on Tuesday night I got six. Well, guess what's going to happen on Saturday? I'm going to get 36. So it's, it's fine. Like, he just knows it's coming. Uh, Scott Drew Craig has mentioned that uh, when he sat out, like, the last 12 minutes of a game a week ago, never once did he bark, never once did he have any problems. He also was up like he would have been a guy that's like – you know, the bottom of the bench, excited about anything that was happening. And I listened to his interview last night, and it was really good. And even the one on ESPN, he's, he kind of seemed like the eagle checks the door when he walks into the arena every time he's ready to play for Baylor. And he was like that in high school, too. I mean, great, a guy doing what he's supposed to <laughs> supposed to be doing. I, you know, it's, uh, it's a great situation, I guess, that Scott Drew has there with not only a great player, but a good leader. And, I mean... That's great you point that out. We shouldn't have to probably point that out too often, but that is a good thing as opposed to the ego trip that I guess some guys could be on. But I think that's part of the recruiting process is they're not going to bring in guys that aren't going to fit the system and fit the whole culture that they have. So, um, yeah, they spotted a good one and, and brought him in, and he's already done some some really good things for this uh, Baylor basketball team. Uh, one funny note, Paul, from uh, our longtime friend Raymond from Waco, I need – some of Softy is smoking. What the blank is he smoking? <laughs> All right. Well, legal stuff up there in Washington. Yeah, yeah, they, right. so, yeah. He can smoke hey. whatever he wants in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 called 13-0 and 0 and in the playoff. It's called um, it's a terrific an, high. An, anticipation. It's called, you know, it's called fulfillment. It's not uh, staring into the black void of this stupid blue spitting marble we're on and wondering, why are we all here? <laughs> I saw a note about the possibility that Oregon and Oregon State have found a way to have room to play in 2024. Good. That's good. Keep go try to keep those rivalries. Don't maybe look. a couple of games got shifted around yeah. that were already on Don't. the schedule. Let's, 
I think it's been explained of what they're going to do is uh, I think it's it's final. I mean they're they're going to play each other. Right, so yeah. there's they had to move around Boise State and there's a whole explanation for for how they got it done. But I don't think that that's much of a surprise. I think there's maybe some element of it that you thought maybe they're not going to play. It's going to be bitter. And I mean, give me a break. Oregon State needs games. Oregon, I mean. Keep playing the Civil War. It's a big game for yeah. you, too. I mean, why would you want to discontinue it even though you don't have to continue playing it? I just think in-state that's the smart move well, and over the long haul. With Oregon and Washington in particular, uh, and the way that this Pac-12 move went down, they didn't – this wasn't um, – this wasn't as contentious, I guess, um, as maybe A&M leaving and all that where there's some bitterness. I mean, there's going to be bitterness, but it wasn't in like in the middle of the night kind of a deal – where you're not going to play each other anymore. The, I mean, right up until that morning, we thought maybe the Pac-12 was going to make it, uh, and, and then it, it all all fell apart. So yeah, don't let the learn from the lessons of the past, and don't let like petty bitterness about that ruin a good rivalry. That all your like all the fans on both sides like it. It's yeah. not like you know. That's why I wish Bedlam would stay because you it's not live like near each other. You live with each other. Yeah, you're it's like, like, it's not like with you each other. It's not like a rivalry that like there's going to be some games that are like one sided rivalries where like man we really hate the school and the other one doesn't think about you. But when both sides like love the rivalry, then you should do it. It's uh, September 14th next year at Reeser Stadium. Stuart Mandel's response to Kenzano's tweet about the game 2024 and beyond. Never believe an AD who says it's not possible to continue a rivalry. Oregon State and Oregon literally got other schools, Texas Tech and Boise, to move games to make sure the rivalry continued to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's a part of the Big 12 tie-in there is uh, the fact that Texas Tech was one of those involved, and it's apparently, according to uh, one of the reports, uh, it's Corvallis week three of next season, September the 7th. Uh, that's when Oregon uh, would be facing Texas Tech in Eugene. So uh, instead, I guess they're going to make that the game there in Corvallis, and then they'll go to Otson in 2025 and uh, you know get the, the get back there for that. So they've already ironed out all the details. It's official. It's going to happen. There's no rumors to it. It's, it's on. So, uh, yeah, Texas Tech had to help out there, so good on the Red Raiders. And uh, you'll have Boise State, which will now go a week earlier than scheduled. Uh, they'll play at Eugene on September the 7th. So just uh, moving things around in that early first month, uh, that portion of the schedule. But uh, good to see them get that done. I figured it would once Washington, Washington State got done. And so uh, that's fantastic that they've been able to move quickly and go ahead and get that ironed out. And there's one more game on the schedule for Oregon State. And you know you're going to play Washington State at some point. And now you've got basically your non-con filled up and you can go ahead and go about your business with the Mountain West or whatever it is that you're going to do with the remainder of your schedule and go ahead and iron out all those details for next season. And, you know, then we'll revisit at a later date what happens beyond that. We haven't really even touched on all the, the realignment m r rumors going on and all that kind of stuff. Well, we did yesterday. Um, okay, good. Uh, because that's been a lot of the talk this week. And so, yeah, that's uh, going to continue on in a lot of different ways, especially with this talk about the breakoff. Even though, you know, first of all, good for Oregon State, Oregon getting that done. That's a smart play. That's good for college football. Uh, but I was reading during the break some of the uh, more reports coming out of, I guess, the Sports Business Journal, um, you know, event that's going on where they're having all of the discussion about the breakoff and they're having guests up there and, uh, 
there's talk about how this is not like immediate. And I think that's kind of what we said at the beginning of the show. There's a lot of details to be ironed out, but it's interesting that conversation continues on. So it's going to be a very busy offseason uh, in realignment, in uh, the shuffling of the NCAA and NIL legislation. It's a uh, it's not going to be quiet, that's for sure, and that's what college football has become is a year-round sport, and, and this year is going to be very evident of that. Garrett, I just sent you a uh, a note. Do you still have those? This is uh, – Craig, you weren't here yesterday, but this is a note from when I asked about the possibility and there was a report that the Big 12 was briefed, uh, and this from a Big 12 source. Uh, again, any cock or discussion about the ACC implosion discussed in scenarios explored did not happen. That's false. Um, and, and not aware of any kind of meetings between Jim Phillips and Brett Yormark. That does not mean that there hasn't been, but the, the report was they actually were briefed on, what was it, uh, Monday night. And I had a Big 12 source shoot that down. But that doesn't mean that there aren't at least some, hey, we need to watch what may be going on down in the ACC. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely parties who take advantage of the realignment rumor mill, for sure. Um, and I think that there might be some cases where you take maybe a lot of information in and you don't really sort through it, and so you just throw everything out there. And so some of it's going to be right and some of it's going to be wrong. But there is unfortunately a good group of people who just believe every single thing that they read. And they're like, no way the NFL is going to buy the SEC and the uh, the uh Big Ten, and they're going to be their own thing. And, like, there's just all sorts of crazy rumors coming out, and it's only going to get fuel uh, or more and more fuel as the offseason goes along, most likely. Um, so, yeah, just be careful of what you believe. Don't believe everything because some of it is purely just trying to get engagement. Some of it is probably based in some fact. I mean, I don't think it's crazy at all to think there's discussions going on behind the scenes, but uh, just saying that not everything is factual. Some of but it is just – merely trying to stir the the pot and so um yeah i mean th that whole like that right there that's great that there's a statement but i already know the response is well of course they're not going to say if they were talking and so there's always that that cycle that you go in where it's just never ending like the nfl rumor was the dumbest one i've heard the dumbest thing, the, the I've, dumbest I've, thing I've, I've heard the nfl has had a thousand years of its existence. I yeah. know it's not been around that long, but how many chances to start its own developmental league that they wouldn't have to buy from anyone. They right. wouldn't have to buy from anyone. And then honestly, if you were going to buy one, uh, buying the XFL USFL merger league now would be way cheaper than just buying Ohio state itself. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> I mean, it came from the same spot, like that MH Ver guy yeah. is the one that had that out there. And I know he's been uh, right on some things in the past and, don't know his sources, uh, so just saying that um, in that particular rumor, which I believe that's where it came from, that was one where I just rolled my eyes and I was like, I don't believe that for a single second. Drafting high school players to yeah. the NFL, I don't, I don't believe that one bit. So that may be an example of where you just get a lot of information and you don't really sort through it. I don't know. Um, and maybe some of the other stuff is accurate. I'm not trying to, to call out or demean or anything like that, but that – is a reminder of like not everything is necessarily based in fact and when i saw the the high school nfl thing that was one where i was just like i don't believe that for a single second and i will be the first one to say i was wrong on that but i don't think i'm gonna have to do that because i i think that that's uh i don't know where that's coming from honestly all right we got to take a break here we will come back with former baylor he played there what seven years bryson jackson played linebacker played that hybrid spot for matt pallage this past year uh, Bryson Jackson to kind of just catch up with him and also 
dig into what happened in 2023 and all of the ups and downs of what he's been through as a player at Baylor. And this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for your automotive needs, whether it's buying a new or pre-owned car, whether it's just getting your car fixed up and ready to drive. Well, right now, uh, it is Christmas time, and as a family dealership, Christmas is very special for Richard Carr Motors. Time with family and friends is precious, and they know that getting to your family safely is a priority. Whether you need a new SUV to travel with your family or service on your existing car or truck, Richard Carr is here this season to give you the best deals and the best service during the holidays and all year long. And amongst their new rides, a vehicle that you can feel quite comfortable in going to see grandma and grandpa, going to see your parents, whatever travel you may be undergoing this Christmas season, they've got power and strength in a stunning interior that'll make your ride worth while and comfortable and safe with the GMC Sierra, a truck that has it all, and they have dozens of GMC Sierra trucks in stock and ready to go off the lot right now. You can save thousands in holiday savings on cars and trucks like qualified buyers getting $8,000 on a GMC Sierra twin turbo elevation model. Also, military and first responders can save an additional $500 on top of that. Just Go visit the website, go buy the dealership, or give them a phone call to get more information on the GMC Sierras. But right now, act fast and save thousands in holiday savings on the GMC Sierra model. And maybe you're not looking to go brand new. You're looking for something that's better than what you're driving, obviously, uh, but is also still in tip-top shape and, uh, you know, with a great deal. They've got trades galore they've traded for the best so they have a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks on their lot right now over 90 used cars and trucks to choose from all inspected with a 172 point inspection and the richard car seal of approval plus the financing goal at richard car of 100 credit approval as they say yes when others say no so whether it's buying new like the GMC Sierra and taking advantage of those holiday savings or taking advantage of the 90 used cars and trucks on their lot. Go by the dealership that's been in business for 24 years in Central Texas and has built a reputation over that time as the people you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud Central Texans and proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. 
At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Bryson Jackson spent a lot of his lifetime at, at Baylor, almost a third of it, I think, and uh, he joins us now, the former linebacker in hybrid safety on 365 Sports with Craig and Paul, and I'm David Smoke. Bryson, I know the season has been over for a couple of different weeks. What right now is in your future as far as football or what is next for you in life? Yeah, so right now, man, it's just, you know, uh, focusing on training, uh, finishing the semester off strong and uh, just just heading to training, bro. So uh, just getting connected with guys that can that can put me forward and and uh, transform my my athletic and uh, my physical attributes and and get ready for pro day. So um, it's, been, it's been a heck of a ride here, but. You know, now I get the train and, and, and try to go for the pros. Bryson, seven years at a place is a is a long time anywhere, especially at this point in your life. But you you've been able to kind of see things through a couple of different lenses as you've gotten older and and done this. You've been through uh, two different eras of Baylor football, essentially. What um, what do you see as the state of the program right now? As Dave Aranda coming back for another year, making some changes on the coaching staff. Where are they after? You guys had a really rough three and nine year. Yeah, so um, I've I've been a part of a, a couple teams where here where we've you know we had losing seasons and then you know right after that we've had a successful season. So I think right now you know awful what happened this past year was that we had a, lot, a young team, a lot of young guys playing on that young team, and uh, they were getting their first start. You know, going out there nervous, having the jitters, um, learning how to communicate with the guys on the field. But they were they were highly talented and uh and very smart football players. So I think with Coach Aranda coming back, 
And those young guys, like, taking from the experience, having that fire up underneath them that, you know, I don't want to go experience what I just experienced last year. Um, it's going to be something special. So the state of the program is in good hands right now. Um, I got faith in it. And um, I know that, you know, talking with some of the guys that everybody up there is fired up. You know, you got players, the young DBs, the young linebackers, um, the young D linemen, and they're ready. And uh, those guys, like right now, you would see usually see dudes, you know, taking the time off after having a losing season and just kind of focusing on school and, and not really working out and training. But you go up there right now to the weight room, you know, the whole team's up there working out in the same uniform and uh, they all got smiles on their face. So I know they're fired up and and, and headed to and ha- and have a vision on where they want to go as a team. Bryson, a lot of guys, nearly the entire team that's eligible to come back, I think, has declared that they're coming back. The exception being, I think, Blake Shapin's still out there, uh, Drake Dabney. But, I mean, for the most part, everybody is going to be back from last year's roster that's eligible. How much did you guys hear outside noise and and talk about Dave Aranda and coaching changes and things like that? And what was your and everybody else's reaction, I guess, that you've heard from when you found out that Dave Aranda is going to be back? What was the thought process there? Uh, as a team, you know, he always talked to us about like distractions and eliminate those, eliminate those distractions. But um, I think with the guys on the team, we all knew where where his heart was at uh, from the start of the season, and um, and he's comfortable here and uh, he wants to be here. Um, I think Coach Rand is a transformational leader, and um, I think that you know here he wants to do great things and he wants to see the guys that that he has brought here and you know coached here. He wants to see those guys succeed. So. Um, it, it it wasn't too much of, you know, question whether or not he was going to leave or not, or if, you know, this was going to be a place where we're going to have to go through another coaching change. But as far as like just the distractions during the season, man, it was tons of it, uh, tons of noise, tons of, of people talking about, you know, we're not good enough. Coach Aranda's his process, his um, coaching style isn't good enough for this level of football. And it was just all distractions. And uh, we were going on a we were going through a transformational process doing throughout this whole season, and uh, you know it didn't go the way we wanted to, but things good things happen whenever you fall in a pit, and um, the only place you can go from up from the pit is up. So um, I think it's in it's just in the overall you know Coach Aranda and the, you know the players that stayed here, they were able to you know trust the words that he was probably saying to them in, in the meetings after the season like that, you know, his goal for the next season, they trust and believe in him and uh, his will to coach those guys. You know, when the team went 12 and two best year ever, it, his demeanor, his personality, the way he spoke, uh, he was a genius, you know, he's a Jedi. He was the master. Uh, and then things turned South at the end of last year. And also this year, when he spoke, a lot of people said, I don't want to hear him. It, it seemed like, that despite the last year and a half that nobody ever quit on the team or quit on each other or quit on Dave Aranda. Was that something as a, a one of the senior leaders, seventh-year guy, that was just brought up much during any kind of team meetings or in the locker room? Well, yeah. So, um, one, I want to just, uh, just like kind of address that. But, you know, you see the guys that have been here before. And those guys, you know, their process, the way they they – were intentional about, you know, learning football. That was under Coach Aranda, and he poured into those guys. Mm-hmm. He poured into So you got to see those guys that were older, those veterans, you know, lead the program and do it at a, at a high level, at a, at a professional level. And, um, you know, last year there wasn't we, – we had the veterans, but a lot of our guys that were veterans, 
uh, were those guys, you know, we did in 2021 when uh, we were the guys that were, you know, role players on the team. And um, so you had your veterans and then you had the guys that were coming up, but um, the, the, the young guys had to learn and had to see, you know, kind of what it took to get to that point to be a successful team. And you want to have more guys that came from experience on the team, like veterans that have been playing three to four years, you know, starting three to four years. And, uh, you know, you want to be able to have that. So those guys can see what the, what the standard is for them to continue going. But, um, as far as like me being a leader and me being a seventh year, you know, there was tons of young guys trying to figure out what it took to, to, to be successful. And they saw through how I, you know, prepared during the week, um, how I approached practice during the week. And, uh, you know, that conversation was always up, you know, like, what can I do to get better? Like, what is the, what is the problem while we're losing games? Like, how can we get better as a team? And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a process. And uh, that process sometimes is long and strenuous, but, uh, those guys, man, like they 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 see the work that you know guys like Jalen Petrie, uh, Terrell Bernard, uh, Ben Sims, who's currently there. They see these guys that are in the league right now that follow Dave Aranda's plan and follow their their process to get there. And Coach Aranda's brilliant, bro. He's a Jedi. You know, no matter what, he's a master, bro. Like literally, there's no as a as a as a guy that's you know on the field every day. There's no stopping in coaching. There's no changing demeanor. If you look at you know how he coached individual drills at LSU on YouTube, there's like videos on it. You see the intentional you know focus. You see the the voice that he has. He he changes his mindset once he's on the field. And um, I just see him implementing that times ten in this upcoming year, um, just into the linebacker group, into the safeties group, but. Um, He's a coach that's always learning and growing. And I, I see this team as a team that's always learning and growing. The players are always learning and growing. And there's no one that I can say up there at that facility and that program as players that don't believe in his process or to believe in what he has going forward, forward uh, in the future with this team. Uh, there's some guys that might, you know, take things into their own hand for their own future. And and, and that's that's what they what they have to do. But you know, as far as the trust in, in, the, in the program and what Dave Aranda's plan is going forward, um, I can tell you up there, those guys that are choosing to stay, they believe in it. Uh, and there's a fire lit up under them. Yeah, Ben Sims scored a touchdown uh, this week, yeah. uh, as a matter of fact. Um, but Br- Bryson, it is, it is uh, and I'm sure Baylor fans are, are going to enjoy hearing you say that, but for a team that went through some struggles, not just this year, but towards the end of uh, last season, to, to not have a, a culture issue is really rare. I mean, usually you can point to, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing and all that. Does that just speak to Dave Aranda's ability to reach players on the, on the personal level to prevent that from happening? Yeah. Uh, with that, with that is, it's, it's real tricky to really kind of, you know, touch on that because sometimes, you know, as, as players um, and as a team, you want to believe every, you want to just believe and trust the guys that are within the program and who are going through it every day. But what I can tell you from all my experience here is that there is a process. There is a, in order to be a successful team, you have to know how to win and you got to know what, what, what losing feels like. And uh, with the team last year, man, there's, I mean, you got, we had freshmen, um, you know, leading in, uh, in our, in our defensive back uh, secondary group, you know, leading the interceptions, uh, leading the pass breakups. Um, these guys are, 
very good, but at the same time, there's there's a certain level of if you watch how Jalen Petrie or Terrell Bernard, if you really watch them go out there on special teams on kickoff and then go out there for a 10 play drive and you watch them have gap integrity and being able to play two, two to two to uh two to three gaps at once, like it's it, it looks like magic, but it's 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 really the training within the week. And uh it took it took them having, you know, situations in the previous years when they were freshmen and sophomores to learn from those experiences. So to the fans, I would just say, you know, trust, like, look at, look at the guys that have played this year. Look at guys like Caden Jenkins, look at guys like Carl Williams, look at, look at guys like uh, uh, Brendan Bett. Uh, I'm not going to, I can name all the guys on the team, but you look at those young freshmen you look at how, you know, they might've made a mistake here in the game, but their 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 want to their drive is there, and um, there's no better coaching in place than they have on a, on the defensive side than Coach Aranda. I mean, he's just critical, like in all in all phases and all and and all. It's pr- it's pretty much probably why Matt Jones stayed and decided to come back, and Garmin Randolph decided to come back. You know, it's just you're going to be a better player, you know, when you have better coaching and great coaching. So. It's, it's one of those things where you just got to have faith in the program. But I do believe in and what I've experienced there with the coaching, that the intensity is there, bro. The focus is there. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not sleep. They're not getting no sleep at night. Like they're up there all day, you know, in the morning, in the mornings, you know, at the workouts, coaching their their tails off and their butts off. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a great offseason and it's going to be a, a good spring to see what this, this program is, is headed to. So. Yeah, it's hard to to have people be patient, right, Bryce? And everybody's got to be a little patient to see that reward at the end, and, and that's hard to ask for for folks sometimes. But another thing I, I'd, I'd love your opinion on here is just kind of the juice and the swagger of the team. You know, when you're winning, it's easy for that to come across. But you're bouncing around, you're full of energy, you're winning. When you're losing, it's a lot harder to kind of maintain that. And I think because of Dave Aranda's personality, he's so quiet that people mistake that and think that maybe the team's that way. Was that your experience? I mean, was he? Were you guys still as fired up as previous teams that you were on, or is that something that maybe needs to be worked on as well? Is that something that maybe just appeared that way because of the results and, and wasn't really the the reality of what was going on in that locker room? It, it almost seemed like backwards, in my opinion. But for us, it was like we had the energy of practice. We had the energy in the hotel before the game. You know, we had the energy in all these phases before stepping on the, the the stage where we need the energy the most. And, you know, Coach Aranda is a serious guy and how he handles meetings every day throughout the week is 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 what a is there's a certain look on his face. There's a certain way that he describes things that is intentional, well thought out. So if you're a young player and you're learning from this Jedi, like you're learning all this stuff that he's telling you, which is you know, I have notebooks on notebooks of just from Coach Aranda, and I could just read you all the good stuff. But you know, you it's hard because he's that. That's him. That's his personality. So he he wants us to play at our our most authentic selves. And as a young player, sometimes it's hard to say. You know, I want to make sure I'm doing everything right because with our coaches here, you know, they strain to do things right. They strain to have success during practice on on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday. So getting to a game, you have to learn how to flip that switch and let it loose. And when we got to the games this year, we didn't flip that switch. And there were there were times where 
we might have flipped it too late or we might have flipped it early and then we didn't finish at the end. Mm-hmm. But you have you have that's something that you have to train in fall camp. You got to train in spring ball like that switch has to stay on, you know, from the from the start of practice to the end of practice, from the start of a game to the end of a game. And, uh, you know, the juice is there. Like, it was there. But and in some some areas, it was better during the week than it's ever been since I've been here. But uh, just at the games, man, like it, it just didn't travel with us. Could and, there, uh, Bryson, is there a chance that there were uh, a, a bad mixture, not a bad mixture of people, but a high level of upperclassmen, a lot of young players, but not enough, as you mentioned, meet in the middle as far as experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So think of a guy like me. So um, I made a transition to play star, and um, that was a position I, I didn't play for the past since I got here, uh, my first, my freshman, sophomore year. And I was making that transition into playing cover three match and um, being out there to play man, man coverage. So there was areas of improvement um, that I had to focus on during the week. And I was the same for, you know, some of the seniors that were there um, last year, but it just wasn't enough of us that had that, that core core experience at that one position. And there were very few guys in that sense that could, you know, maybe hold a freshman's hand. You only saw really one guy in that group kind of lead that group. And we needed more. We needed those. We needed probably two or more guys within each position group to kind of lead um, that young group who had all that fire and all, and and just all that, um, all the skills that they had to, to bring to the game. So uh, there was, yeah, like you said, there wasn't a lot, there wasn't enough of, of, of the seniors, but, at the same time, you know, that's not an excuse, you know, that like seniors got to do better, but that's a lesson learned for the guys that are coming up uh, this next year. Go ahead, Paul. Bryson. Um, yeah, I mean, you've been here for seven years, so you're 20, 24, yeah. 25 years old now. Uh, yeah. How much of a difference is it? Do you see like when you see those freshmen, like your, your life experience is far different and this will happen to you as you get older. Like you don't feel like you're that much older than people, but then you like you, you see it and you hear it and you're like, Oh man, like this is, this is a different group. Yeah. That, I mean, right. I felt that every day. Going <laughs> up there. I mean, in the locker room, you know, those are my guys. So, you know, I don't look at nobody and say, you're younger than me. I'm gonna treat you like I'm, I'm this old head, but um, I had a relationship with every guy on that team and um, it, it, it was pretty exciting. But at the same time, um, definitely the age that the thing that separated most was just the maturity and the mindset um, with me, it took a lot of work to get to where my lifestyle outside of football was put together so that I can go up there and be the best version of myself. So as a freshman, I can say that a lot of guys struggle with is, is have that life outside of practice, outside of weights, outside of class, you know, how you handle that, that maybe six to eight hours when you're alone. So, you know, I took, I took that serious and, um, you know, it was just kind of hard to make sure that you want to get those young guys to get on the same page because they have to want to do it. And uh, that, I, say, I wouldn't say that was the case last year, but it was inconsistent as far as what you would see. And this is an example. Like if you, if you were here in 2021, I would drive out of facility or I would go get food and I'll finish watching film and Terrell, you'll see Terrell's car, Terrell Bernard's car mm-hmm. there at 11 p.m. at night. You'll see Gary Bohannon or you'll see Blake Shapin's car there till 12 a.m. at night. Like these guys that played here previous, you saw the amount of time and effort they put into the off the field stuff. So, you know, that's something I see 
will be something focused on this this next upcoming year. Bryce, and when uh, when you guys went 12, thanks for your time. We have just maybe another minute or two with you. We appreciate your time. Bryson Jackson, uh, Baylor linebacker, hybrid safety, as he mentioned, as he switched this year. When the team went 12-2, and two, there was a lot of discussion that Aranda allowed some players that otherwise were who they were to maybe even get better. And then when things started going south, it was, well, he won with Matt Rule's players. How unfair are either one of those critiques? I think it's I think it's really unfair. Um, you know, though those guys are those guys and those coaches were great. Um, but at the same time, those players, you know, when Coach Randa got here, you know, I'm I'm part of that group that he recruited that mm-hmm. I recruited. You know, there was there was a whole culture change and we had to make that decision to be a part of that culture. So I completely respect both sides. And I could tell you right now from the guys that have been here, they respect both sides. Um, but it is unfair. And those guys did come here. They put the work in. But at the same time, they took advantage of the opportunity they had to play under a guy like Coach Aranda, who was a defensive mind, uh, a defensive Jedi. So uh, they took it serious. They went up there. They spent time with him in the film room outside of the hours that we had to be up there. Um, there was players who were always learning from him um, every single day. There wasn't a day that went by, especially that year, which is probably why we went and won that year is because just the focus that we had throughout the week. And those guys took it serious. So, you know, with development, I just think, man, like, you know, c- coaches play a big role into it. And, you know, if you get in a good program and a good system, that system can put you in a, in a great position. I just think the system was, it was great and it has always been great. And those guys that have been here, including myself, you know, we appreciate what Coach Aranda has done. And, and it's been an honor and a great opportunity to play up underneath them. Last thing, if you had another year left, and I know you probably <laughs> sometimes didn't even know if you did, but if you had another year left, would you want to go play for Dave again this next year? If I had eighth year, I think my body's just tired, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. No, I can, I can see, yeah. But as far yeah. as if you could go I play, could, co- would. would you want to play just making sure I got this straight? You love the guy. You think that there's just some things that happen. Uh, would you have any problem whatsoever? If you could play for him for another year, you would. No doubt. Uh, that's That's the first guy I'm going to. Thank you, Bryson. Good luck, Hey, Stay in touch with us, okay? And uh, keep us up to date with all the workouts and contacts and whatever's in your future. We appreciate your time. Thank you guys so much. Bryson Jackson, former Baylor linebacker, safety. Uh, with more of just not speculation, but inside the locker room and discussion about what was going on throughout not just last year, but the last couple of three or four years. When we come back just around the corner, Paul's top five. This is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, where right now, if you are looking for what you're going to buy for Christmas get-togethers, gatherings, parties, company parties, or for what you're going to cook for dinner yourself between now and the first of the year, the weekly specials for this week, all the way through close of business on Saturday, Fresh salmon fillets for $10.99 a pound. Regular summer sausage and jalapeno cheese summer sausage, $3.99 or $4.99 a pound. Chicken tenders at $2.25 a pound. Pork steaks at $1.99 a pound. Select 
choice in prime New York strip steaks, $8.50, $10.99, and $18.99 a pound, and 10% off on any of the fat spray. You want to grease your casserole dish or the grill. It's Waco Custom Marketplace weekly specials between now and close of business this Saturday at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs. Knowing you, that's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally hear. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Five Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones and financial advisor Cam Heathcott. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Sunday was most of what discussed the four teams that are going to play in the semifinals with Texas, Washington, Michigan, Alabama. But a lot of other teams in the Big 12 went bowling or will go bowling. 
Here is the list of the games. We'll slowly but surely get maybe 20, 30 seconds on each game without getting too lengthy on it. But the first game that pops up will be Texas Tech and Cal at the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. I, uh, I, I can tell you one thing of having been to both places and used to live in Bossier City, Louisiana. Uh, there are not two different places on earth than Berkeley, California, and Shreveport, Louisiana. I saw Eli Manning <laughs> and Ole Miss beat Nebraska in the Independence Bowl many, many years ago. We, um, that's, uh, you know, I, t I t told the story to Tim Brando, like he was doing the luncheon when I was like, uh, 10 years old and Danny White, who I would wind up doing a podcast with for a year. Um, he was the guest speaker. And uh, so it's kind of wild uh, how your life uh, comes full circle. But uh, yeah, I would say this is a disappointment for Tech to be in this bowl game, even yeah. though it's good to be in a bowl game. Well, I mean, with all due respect, they're lucky to be in a bowl game. Yeah. Um, you know, they were in a position there midway through the season where that was looking unlikely and they actually finished pretty strong. That Texas game notwithstanding, they finished pretty strong to get into a bowl game. I mean, they went on a nice little run there, beat the mess out of Baylor, beat UCF in a close game, got bowl eligible, and then, you know, hoped to fare better against the Longhorns. And, I mean, Texas is just built a bit different than everybody else in the conference right now. So that wasn't a, a total shock that they got uh, beat in Austin the way that they did. But, um, yeah, I think it's a disappointment from the position of you're not going to be able to match last year's record. And – from the standpoint of, you know, you just barely got bowl eligible. But, look, beggars can't be choosers, right? I mean, there's a lot of teams sitting at home that would love to be in a bowl game and getting those extra practices. So I think from the standpoint of you are two for two and making bowl games under Joey McGuire, um, you dealt with a lot of hardships this year, and you still found a way into the postseason, even though with about five weeks left, it looked like you were not going to be able to make it there. And now you play a pretty good Cal team. Now the winner of this will be above 500. The loser will not. That's right. So that's uh, – you know, something to factor in that I think makes it a little bit important because let's face it, finishing six and seven is not that doesn't feel good. You can't really spin being Ask below five hundred. Yeah, so yeah. Um, this is a big game from that standpoint for both of these teams and just momentum riding into the off season. But uh, yeah, you, you expected a bit more from Texas Tech this season. Moving on, February twenty second, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. I don't know if you can get Gasparilla. longer than that, that same thing in Tampa, UCF. And Georgia Tech with Haynes King at quarterback, Paul. I'm super interested in this one. UCF's already sold out their first allotment in this game, which shouldn't be surprising. It's a, it's only about an hour and a half away, um, you know, if you don't hit traffic on I-4 there. So, uh, yeah, this should, this should be a, a pretty a cool one. I like – Look, Haynes King showed some stuff at Georgia Tech. They've they they're they're on the upswing uh, for the first time in a little while there. So uh, yeah, it should be it should be an interesting one. I mean, we'll see opt outs and transfer. Like bowl games are so hard to peg now because I don't like of these teams. I have no idea what the roster no. is going to be. No, I, I come bowl time. I used to love the bowl season, watch every damn game, and now I don't even have the time to play in the game. Well, um, it is college football. That's what we yeah. cover, so we better get fired up for bowl season. No, 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 yeah. no. What I'm saying is I used to love watching every bowl game. I watch them, but it's not like half the time I don't even know what time someone's playing, even though it's my job. Well, this goes into my other thing about the whole college football playoff and the the crowd of, you know, basically towing the company line about keeping it at four uh, is that, well, you're going to, first of all, the whole regular season argument already been shot to hell, right? We've yeah. already seen how that's basically been blown away and how it's total BS to begin with of, of um, you know, the importance of the regular season. Like, that's that's 
uh, done and gone away with. But then the other part was like, well, what about all these bowl games for these teams? So you mean to tell me that people didn't just crap all over uh, Liberty uh, being in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon and how there's not going to be a lot of tickets sold from the Oregon side and how nobody's going to care about it and all this? And like, that's the sanctity we're worried about? Yeah. As opposed to imagine if that was a playoff game. Yeah. What would be more exciting? Liberty, Oregon, Fiesta playoff game, or right. just the regular Fiesta Bowl with nothing yeah. else riding on it. And that's why I think that's another part of the argument that just gets blown to smithereens. But I think UCF, part of it is probably a little bit of Gasparilla fatigue, and yet it's close to home. It's a nice opponent. Uh, that you know, There's a lot of question marks, as you said, with like who plays and who doesn't as far as all these games go. But, yeah, that, that ought to be a nice little contest and good on UCF for, again, making it to a bowl game. That didn't look like it was going to be in the cards there for a little while, and they fought back out of a hole and got there. Mm. Kansas, a team that was uh, up and down. Nice run, I think, in the end. They play UNLV, of course. The tragedy, thinking about the campus at UNLV, the basketball game tonight, has been canceled. Uh, an active shooter that was on campus who is now deceased in Phoenix against KU and UNLV. A nice story with Barry Odom. Yeah, uh, it really is. Um, you know, just like uh, we got to stop having these tragedies, man. It's just, it's just so terrible. But um, to to focus on the game, uh, this will be an interesting one. Uh, again, seeing as you know how many you know people are on the on the rosters and all that, and um, you know Kansas. Um, you know, it'll be if Jason Bean's back. I mean, it'll be his last game there anyway. Uh, so should should be interesting game. Uh, I think Barry Odom. You know what he's done at UNLV this this year. You know they're they're all ready to go. You know, with a certain coaching staff, then had to pivot right after Jimbo Fisher took Bobby Petrino uh, there, and and Barry Odom's rolled with it, and they're nine and three and, and rolling along in Kansas. You know, did it with whoever was a quarterback this year, and that was. That was really impressive, uh, and Lance Leipold continues to, you know, build something there uh, in Lawrence that was not there for a very, very, very long time, and they Almost were the a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah, they were the easiest out in college football for a long time. Yeah, Barry Odom and the Rebs are a great story. He's done a really good job with that program. I don't know how excited you get for it if you're Kansas as far as the matchup goes, but it's a it's a good team that you're going to be playing. You don't want to overlook them, but a good opportunity for. The Jayhawks to win nine games, which would be a really big deal. Win uh, a bowl game, which they didn't get to do last year. Yeah, yeah, win a bowl game on top of that or alongside that. So, yeah, that would be a nice feather in the cap of Lance Leipold and uh, the current state of the program would be to win a bowl game and then also uh, get win number nine. So, yeah, there's still a lot to play for. And then, of course, Jason Bean playing his last game with all the contributions he's made over the last few years amongst other seniors and, and guys that will be departing. So, yeah, there's plenty to play for there for Kansas uh, in uh, Phoenix. In on December 27th, Wednesday, two games, you have the Mayo Bowl. This is Jennifer's favorite. She loves mayonnaise. Charlotte, North Carolina, West Virginia, North Carolina. And then the tax, the Tax Act Bowl, the Texas Bowl down in Houston, which Baylor's played in a, a couple of different times. The first time I was here when they lost to Illinois, Oklahoma State against Texas A&M, an yeah. old Big 12 game. Will be interesting to see A&M in that game uh, with what's left of their roster. I mean, the, there's uh, some portal departures, some that matter, some that um, did. Or I mean, reserves matter because you you lose guys, you can't you know, feel the same roster you're going to have. Uh, I do. I think the Duke's Mayo Bowl is a pretty interesting one. Um, West Virginia, North Carolina. Look, North Carolina is not going to have Drake May in that game. There's no like. There's no way in my mind that he he plays in it. Um, and so, an opportunity for West Virginia to get to nine wins. And North Carolina also, uh, the way that they started out and having the quarterback they did, I promise you, they had 
no thoughts of being in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And that's not to knock the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but they thought they'd be in a, in a better spot than that. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia thought they might be firing their coach around this time, and now they got a chance at nine wins themselves, so uh, not too far to travel. I saw some complaints from some segment of the Mountaineer fan base about this game. I, I didn't get to the bottom of it necessarily, um, but I, I don't think it was a rousing 100% approval rate on, on the excitement level for this game, but I guess that's probably any fan base. But shoot, man, North Carolina, uh, you know, semi-home game for them, I suppose. They're being in Charlotte. Um, but I think that's a fun destination and, uh, you know, nice opportunity for West Virginia to get to nine wins. That'd be a really big deal for Neil Brown and company. And I, like you, Paul, I don't think Drake May's probably playing this game. I don't see the benefit for him. Um, but that's, a, you know, a good little solid matchup. Nothing more, nothing less here. And then uh, with Oklahoma State and A&M, um, Oklahoma State, I'm sure would love to get the bad taste out of their mouths from the Big 12 championship game. Don't need much motivation yeah. playing A&M, who you haven't seen in a while. I think with the history there, that should make for a really nice buildup and plenty of motivation for the Cowboys and probably for the Aggies as well, although I think most of their focus is on just trying to sort through the staffing and roster mess that they're kind of in at the moment as things are changing over. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a fun little throwback. Uh, but what version of A&M do we see in the midst of all this change uh, remains to be seen. Elijah Johnson will continue, I think, to coach, despite he's moving Robinson, on to Sarah Robinson. Robinson. They played each other in 2019 in the same bowl game. I saw a wet blanket mention it, looked it up. Back in 2019, Oklahoma State I, lost to A&M. I, um, I do like college football's got to redo the calendar, and they've got to make these games – like means like because the transfer portal happening before this is really bad. The draft, like all that. That's what, like, I mean, though. That's what I'm talking like, about. A what, second are we, ago is, what, what, what are we saving when it comes to these bowl games? Like yeah. the way they're currently constructed with the calendar and all that you're mentioning, all these opt outs, all these different, you know, um, coaching changes and everything. It's just sort of a mess. And I don't want bowl games to go away by any means, but I do think that's something you look at and like, we're saving that. So, like, let's not expand the playoffs so we can save the Duke's Mayo Bowl as yeah. it's currently sitting. I just think that's a that's a weird argument. If you had to suck down a bottle of mayonnaise, which one would you want? I'm not I doing want Miracle it. Whip. I'm not doing it. I, I, I actually am a big fan of Duke's. Okay. I, I, I'm a big – listen, listen Duke's because mayonnaise. Because you like John Wayne. D listen, Duke's is a big uh, supporter of college athletics and college athletics uh, oh broadcast. And let me tell you, I love Duke's mayonnaise. Thursday, December 28th, a couple of games, Kansas State. We just spoke with uh, – John Kurtz about them. NC State, two top 25 ranked teams. And then that evening, Oklahoma and Arizona, which I think ought to have a nice little tasty feel to it. Uh, although Dylan Gabriel out, although Jackson Arnold played a lot more down the stretch, those two play on the same day, the 28th. I think the Alamo Bowl is going to be pretty interesting. I mean, Noah Fafita is going to be there and, and Jackson Arnold, so that should be – that's a future Big 12 – well, that's not a future Big 12 matchup. Never mind. That would have been a Big 12 matchup if Oklahoma wasn't leaving. But, um, look, uh, an outgoing Big 12 team versus an incoming Big 12 team should be an interesting one. Um, I think Oklahoma's probably – um, they've not lost a lot to the portal yet uh, outside of Dylan Gabriel, as far as I, I've seen, Craig. So their their roster pretty set for for I that game. I thought they may have had a running back that's leaving, but again, everybody's but, got but somebody. But no, like on. outside yeah. of Dylan Gabriel, which is obviously significant, he's your starting quarterback. But the the heir apparent's going to play in this game, and that's probably a good thing, and that he's going to have those three weeks of practice. Yep. That's well, what I think. Bowl games are better for teams who are trying to get some ex experience, especially teams on their way up. Yeah, I'd rather be the person eating at the end of the Pop-Tarts Bowl than the Mayo Bowl. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, Chris Kleiman, I think, said he's a, 
like a chocolate fudge pop tart guy, I mm-hmm. think is what he said in uh, the interview that he did. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun top 25 matchup on paper. K-State needs to win to hang around in the top 25 at the end of the year. And they obviously have some questions right now as far as OC goes, but this will be all Avery Johnson. Um, so that'll be fun to watch and, and see kind of this middle of the transition of, of Kansas State from what they were to what they're going to look like next year, right? Like, do they have the OC in place? Is that even, you know, what's going on with Avery Johnson by that point? What are kind of the rumor mills around him? Um, but, yeah, I think that's a fun matchup on on paper. K-State can also go win nine games, uh, which would, you know, is always a, a nice mark to reach. And then uh, Oklahoma and Arizona, I think this is uh, a lot of fun uh, with Fafita versus Arnold in the quarterback battle. Oklahoma's had a few guys into the portal, but nobody that, like, makes you – you know, makes your eyeballs bulge out um, with shock, like a, a, a with the exception, I guess, of maybe Dylan Gabriel. And I don't think that was shocking either. But um, yeah, that'll that'll be a fun game. I mean, that's two good offenses, and uh, I think that'll be exciting to watch uh, there uh, in the Alamo Bowl. And that's always one of the better bowl settings. I feel like is is San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl. They do a really good job down there, and usually the games are pretty wild. Um, at least that's how my memory serves oh, me. Yeah. So I would expect this one has got a great chance to, to live up to that hype. Uh, all right. The next day, a couple of uh, uh, teams. Memphis, kind of just they've been there. I mean, they, they, kind of some good moments or two. But Iowa State, Matt Campbell, and the Cyclones in Memphis, Tennessee, in their backyard at the Liberty Bowl that will also be renovated yet again sometime around the corner. It's, uh, it's wild to get to play a, a bowl game at your actual home stadium. Yeah, uh, is that fun? Like, yeah, I don't like, even know. Is that fun? <laughs> hey, guys, we made a bowl game. Where are we going? Home. Right here. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know. Do you enjoy that or not? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think this, you still get swag, you know? You, yeah. You prob- but I, but. I, I would think that's a little bit difficult. It's not like when Miami hosted the Orange Bowl in 83 and beat Nebraska. That was pretty good. They were right there. And being in Miami, with all due respect, Memphis, though, well, if they're home – in the yeah. AutoZone Liberty Bowl against Iowa State. Yeah, and uh, look, Iowa State should have pretty much, other than the portal guys, I mean, their roster is so young because the upperclassmen got cleaned out in the gambling uh, probe. So, I mean, you should probably see most of Iowa State's roster here. So, pretty pretty interesting one uh, in Memphis. Uh, you know, Memphis, um, you know, good year, not uh, what they wanted. Not the, It's not the Norvell years anymore, but uh, you can't have them back. Uh, so... Uh, but Iowa State, I, I mean, this should be an interesting game. I mean, we'll see. And it's so hard to peg. Like, it's just so hard to peg. I mean, here's the thing. Memphis can win 10 games. Yeah. Like, I mean, they they had an okay year. I mean, they they weren't there in the AAC championship game, but they're 9-3. and three. So, I mean, the opportunity at 10 wins would be a really big deal. Um, you know, Seth Hennigan's a quarterback there from the state of Texas that's had a very productive career there. Uh, for the Tigers, Iowa State's obviously very well coached. I don't know how well Memphis matches up with them, but I think playing at home and uh, having the opportunity for 10 dubs is, is more than enough motivation for the hometown team there. And then Iowa State obviously wants to finish strong and propel themselves into what should be a very exciting offseason. They got a chance to win eight games, finish eight and five, given how the year started, I think would be a tremendous success for Matt Campbell and company. And plus, you not only finish off with a win, but then you go into the offseason where basically all of your big contributors, especially on offense, are going to be coming back next year, or at least on paper or scheduled to, given the way that the season went on. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of motivation there for both sides and should make for a good game. Will it be as good as last year's? Just chaotic, wild Liberty Bowl uh, with um, – Uh, Arkansas and Kansas, the 55-53 overtime game. I hope so, because that was one hell of a game to watch. All right, and then 
semifinals. The All-State Sugar Bowl, New Orleans, Texas, and Washington. We had two different analysts, writers, columnists, talk show hosts on that game. This is uh, this is last year was a hell of a game down at the Alamo Dome, Al- Alamo Bowl, excuse me, in the Alamo Dome, Texas, in the firepower of both schools against each other. I um, yeah, I think it'll be a great game. I I know I'm gonna watch these games. I'm having a hard time picturing myself sitting down and making it all the way through right now. Um, I, I, I like it's so weird because I'm not usually the guy who like I'm not gonna watch it, but like I'm still so scarred. Yeah, I almost hope people don't watch as a, yeah. a protest in a way. I yeah, mean, I really do because I, I think that's the only thing that gets through, and I don't know that that's gonna matter in the long run either. The college football well, you've officials, heard Bill Hancock, he knows. Yeah, he doesn't give a damn. He he's yeah. I, I honestly I don't want to be a part of a future interview with him, or maybe I do, but um, that's not my favorite guy in the world. And um, I think that there will probably be a lot of people, Paul, to your point, that don't want to watch uh, these games, or at least Florida State fans that don't want to watch these games because it's a little bit too painful and a little bit too new. But I don't know. I feel like we're going to talk the playoff games to death probably. I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm picking Texas, I think, right now to win the whole thing. I think I said that on Monday as well, but that's where I'm sticking for right now. And so – that means beating Washington, but I think it's going to be a, a terrific contest and a lot of fun. And these two put on a show last year, right? And mm-hmm. a very fun and entertaining game. And I expect something similar this year as well. All right. Uh, those are the games, the big 12 teams, either the one playoff game or the other bowl games, a nice chunk to watch from starting on the 18th uh, in that game between Texas tech or 16th between Texas tech and Cal. When we come back, Paul Catalina, Right now with the top five. It's time for Paul Catalina's top five. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five G plus G five players in the transfer portal. I decided to uh, eschew another um, spitting you know, venomous rage at the uh, committee top five today and focus on the transfer portal. These are guys who are all, I would assume, are going to move up into the power five. Um, Number five, Jalen Hussey, cornerback, Bowling Green. uh, Husky, I'm sorry. Uh, He is one heck of a player. He's 6'1", like 190. uh, That big corner can really get after you. He's going to get a ton, and I think he already has. has had several like big-time offers uh, to move uh, into the Power Five. I know you guys might not be completely familiar with him, but um, he's one of the ones who's going to jump up. So I, uh, I, I, you know, keep an eye on him, and he's probably going to wind up in a big-time program. Yeah, uh, looks like he's got good numbers, and I don't know much about him to be perfectly honest with you. So yeah, your your words as good as uh, as what I got to go with here. But uh, yeah, I've seen his name floated around a little bit, and there's going to be a bevy of guys, uh, you know, on this list amongst many many others that are making that move up. So a, a name to keep an eye on. Number four. Chandler Rogers, quarterback, North Texas, uh, led uh, the conference in, in passing this year. Uh, this is someone I think that Baylor needs to pursue. 
I, and I don't I, know if they're. I think they, they, they did they last are, year, yeah. and I'm yeah. sure they'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I think they need to absolutely, completely, person per, like make this happen um, and get Chandler Rogers. This is going to be a good fit for Jake Spavazal's offense. Um, he's a bit of a dual threat guy, uh, can move around. Um, they need someone who knows that offense. They need somebody. They need a second quarterback anyway, or a third quarterback. I mean, to to go on the roster, and they need someone who can compete for the starting job and probably win it. And that's Chandler Rogers. Now, I don't know what, where other his other offers are going to come from. Everybody needs quarterbacks, but uh, if I'm, if I'm Jake Spavitol, this is, this is where I've got my bullseye right now. Cause I think it's, it's probably a realistic and, and, and good fit of a target. Brought this up. Garrett double checked it. We did a game at the cotton bowl. that was lightning out. Eventually the game never did finish. He was the quarterback at Lake Ridge high school in Mansfield. And you could see that. I think he was a junior or a senior. He was very highly thought of as a quarterback at Mansfield Lake Ridge High School. Yeah, if you followed along with UNC, he had a really big year for them. They had a pretty productive offense. And Jamori Macklin, their wide receiver, is also in the portal. I think that would be a great get for whoever uh, pursues him. I think Baylor getting a combination of those two would be really yeah. good. I think that should be the plan uh, is to get both Rodgers and Macklin I think that would be a big upgrade for them. But uh, he's a guy that's, you know, uh, very good both with his arm and his legs. Um, he has that ability as a real dual threat. Started his um, uh, career elsewhere and then found his way to U UNT. So one of those guys that's moved around quite a quite a bit already. But, um, yeah, he's a really good player. I think there's going to be a lot of attention on him. I don't know who else is already offered for him at this point. Um, but Baylor very much in the mix, and I think that they should be. Number three, Daquan Finn, quarterback Toledo. Um, he, you know, led the MAC in everything uh, this year. He was he was fantastic. Oh, it seems like every MAC quarterback is actually in the portal and trying to to take that jump up because again, there's there's value here. And um, I I kind of think that sometimes the better way to go is not. The Stephen Simcox and I talked about this on the triple option. He brought this up, and I, I, I agree with him. Like sometimes the better way to go is to get a guy like this that's in the G five that's proven they can play at the level, as opposed to a guy who maybe didn't live up to a star rating um, at the power five level. You know the the ones who well, most of those guys end up going. Well, there's three or four of their power five are, are like high four or five star players. But I these guys that come out of the MAC, these guys that come out of Ohio Valley. There's some talent and an individual talent that has proven over the first couple of years of the transfer portal. I would not be surprised. I mean, he's going to have a lot of, of choices, but I would not be surprised to see him wind up with a pretty darn good Big Ten school, Daquan Finn. Uh, if not, if not somewhere else uh, around the country, because he's he's put up yards. He's he's done it. So. Uh, Chandler Rogers started at ULM. That's what I was trying to think yeah. of with his other school. Um, yeah, Daquan Finn's a really good player. Um, Good numbers. Uh, read a lot about him. Seen his name thrown around quite a lot. And this quarterback market, uh, he stands to make a good bit of coin as well, I would imagine. But, yeah, another guy who seems like he's primed and ready to, to jump up a level. Number two. Marcus Carroll, running back Georgia State, had a fantastic year this year. Uh, he's in the portal. Uh, if you need a running back, this dude will get you some yards. Uh, he's got like that perfect, like shorter running back, 5'10, 215 build. Um, you know, runs between the tackles, got some, got some burst. Uh, he is, he is a guy who is, uh, who's going to find his way probably into that southeastern part of the country or the Atlantic Coast Conference. But, you know, again, you never know with the transfer portal. People can kind of come out of nowhere. Um, recruiting is way more national now. But this is another one to keep your eye on. 
Had a really prolific year, uh, double-digit sure touchdowns, 1,300-plus yards at Georgia State. They had a good season, and uh, he's a really good player. And, uh, yeah, if you're in the market for a running back, I think Missouri's already got him visiting this weekend. Uh, there's already some details out about some of the, um, I guess, attention that he's getting. So uh, the Tigers is a uh, you know, potential landing spot for him. But, yeah, at least Georgia State to the SEC is already a possibility, but I'm sure there will be many other suitors. All right, number one. Trey Moore, linebacker, UTSA. Yep. He is going to make some money. Uh, and he's at a position, linebacker, that is like ever-changing in the world of, of defenses now with three three fives and, you know, whatever it is. And he is kind of your classically built, you know, what, 6'2", 6'3", 235 linebacker, you know, gets after the passer, does all those things. Uh, he is going to have his pick of where he wants to go. And, I w like, he might be one of those dudes in the transfer portal that gets 40 different calls, like, uh, like straight up and down, come here. Like, wherever he wants to go, he'll probably be able to go. Well, they fought off a lot of players over the years at UTSA with Jeff Trailer, including Frank Harris. But, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's just a tackling machine. I already saw a lot of signs pointed to Texas here um, as a, a possible landing spot for him. But as you said, there's going to be a lot of other suitors as well. That's just the reality of being at UTSA or any program right now as you stand to lose your best players. But especially, at, I think, at UTSA, I'm surprised to see Jeff Trailer back after another coaching carousel. But there he is. We'll see what they can you know, do as far as uh, – the post Frank Harris world, uh, but you'd, you'd love to have Trey Moore back. And that's just the cold reality of the transfer portal era. So yeah, he's going to take a step up maybe just down the road to Austin or any other number of places, but he's a guy who's already getting a lot of attention. All right, Paul, thank you very much uh, again tomorrow, 365 sports tonight, three to six tomorrow. Paul has uh, the triple option from one until two tonight at 1030 on the local CW. We have, 365 Sports tonight, every weeknight at 1030, and sponsored and presented by GXG. Go to BaylorBears.com forward slash GXG for more information on the NIL Collective for Baylor Athletics. Garrett, thank you. Jack McKenzie, good to see you again. Evi, uh, Evi, Levi and Emery. For Craig and Paul, I'm David Smoke. Have a great night. This is 365 Sports.